0: kick this damn show off right today, Chris. Let's go ahead and start talking about this Google damn shit that just got announced a few days ago. Did you watch this Google Stadia stuff? I did not. Okay, well, let me brief you on what what went down a few days ago. Before we start that, hello everyone and welcome to The End of Time. I'm Michael. And I'm Chris. So Google, yet another company in the gaming world that is trying to put its foot into the gaming sphere as a whole uh this is not the first time this has happened the last big big time that i can think it really happened and had a huge impact was microsoft you know i i i'll admit i'll I'll totally admit whenever microsoft had their first uh i want to say their their appearance was either at e3 or maybe it was a gdc i'm not sure but they're like yeah we're gonna get into the console market we got we got some ideas kicking around. We're we we, we we want to make a console that rivals what Sony and Nintendo are doing right now. And yeah, I was yeah, I was skeptical. I didn't really have a reason to, even at even at that time. I just I was just like, eh, I don't know, man. They already kinda have shit in the PC world. What do they need to do here? And you know, the Xbox and the Xbox three sixty, and I guess the Xbox One, I don't know much, I haven't haven't played it really, but yeah. They're okay. You know, they're formidable. They've they've had their time. They made it an up they they made it up there enough to where it, it wasn't just the big two anymore, it was the mm-hmm. big three. So now the, the the rumors that I heard, the the news that was around this what little bit I heard, was hey, Google's trying to get in on this now. So Google, yes, it is a company, but yeah, they're trying to get into the gaming market. I'm thinking, all right. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, what do they have to offer? Let's see. I can't. I can't really say anything until I see what I see. I, I can't bash anything if I don't know what it is I'm bashing. Right. So, uh, full disclosure, I did watch mainly reactions of this. Again, this is how I ingest a lot of my uh, conference stuff uh, these days. I watched two of them separately, uh, back-to-back. I watched uh, Easy Allies Reactions and Giant Bomb, uh, actually in reverse order. Regardless, I watched their reactions to them. And so, this is what I've gathered. So, Google is trying to make uh, gaming pretty much on the go, anywhere, at any time, full 1080p, full 4K uh just accessible to anybody anywhere as long as you have their i guess their their standard controller the controller itself is what's kind of guiding this so but but here's the thing it's not it's not a console at least that that i can tell it doesn't seem like it's a console at all. It's it's more like you have this controller, and as long as that controller is hooked up to a device that can you that can use it, like an iPhone or a monitor or a TV, etc., then it just pulls up the game, and then bam, it's ready to play. Uh, that that's saying a little bit. There, there's 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 mo- there's way more to it, man. Way more to it. Uh, think streaming i guess but they weren't really clear on that it's so they 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 an example they gave was like such they're they're really trying to merge the the uh youtube gaming world of people watching games Uh, actually let me start that over their big uh catch for this is that they're trying to catch all youtube viewers All video gamers and all game developers, they're trying to get content creators, players, and creators all under one bubble. An example they gave was like this you could be watching a YouTube video of somebody playing, I don't know, uh, uh, Red Dead Redemption 3, whenever it comes out, and you're watching whoever play the game, you're watching Giant Bomb play the game, and they do some cool thing where, I don't know, they they take over a train. They, 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 uh, they steal a train and do a big heist on the train and all that stuff, and it's really cool what they do. You can pull up and pick up your controller, and then get the game, which we'll talk about that in a second, and then it'll load up basically where they were everything. Like the whole seed and everything. It just plops down the exact scenario. Location, characters, everything. And you load into it and then you can start playing it. Right where they were. The idea is that you can reenact the moments that you saw. That's one of the draws of the game. Or this, this Google Play service. The physical draw is like I said earlier. As long as you have this controller. So let's say you're playing a game on your television with your controller and then you have to go somewhere you can pause the game have it send that game streaming or or basically just throw it over to your phone and then using your controller you can play the game on your phone and then if you go somewhere else you can pause the game again and you can send it to your laptop or, your, or uh, Pixel, I think, is another one they have. So, a lot, a lot of Switch mentality going on here. You know, the portable gaming everywhere is one of the ideas. But it's also the, you know, you can... You can watch somebody playing a game on YouTube and go, oh, I want to try that game out. And then you just get the game and you can just get it as it is. Or you can load up where they were or pick a point in the game. Like basically the, the streamers are, are save stating for you, so to speak. And also on the other end, you can, if I understood this correctly, you can on the spot chime in to developers and go, you know, hey, what's this is some things I think about your game, or whatever, whatever. Or if you're playing it and or streaming it, developers can chime in to you. Like, they can just come into your game and be like, hey, what's up? And here's some stuff you can do, or here's what's up with the game. Uh, I realize this is a lot to digest, Chris, if you didn't watch the, the, uh, the GDC thing. Uh, I didn't expect you to. I didn't think I was going to until I saw it plastered everywhere. And... I honestly didn't know anything about it until I started seeing little trickles of the news stream. It's almost like I saw shit one day, and then the next day, the 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 GDC happened. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's one of those things where, okay, this is kind of a you know big out of nowhere announcement from them, but I mean, really, e three is the next thing we're going to hear about, it, and I think until then, it's whatever because it's not like this hasn't been attempted before sure they have more bells and whistles but Mm -hmm. you know streaming game streaming isn't a new thing you know there's playstation now there's all these other things you know it's there's too many factors you know
0: yeah a lot a lot of factors uh, I was watching uh, Easy Allies' newest podcast today, and they went further into other details. And I mean, it's they they just they reiterated questions I already had. I just didn't record them. Record our podcast before that. I watched their show, but yeah, I mean, like pricing immediately comes into play. You know, they brought up a good point. If you're so, if you're watching a game being played on YouTube that you don't have mm-hmm. for one even back in that train up let's talk about possession so it's great that you can do this but are you are i'm guessing you're still gonna have to purchase a license to be able to play this game at any time so if you see a game being played on youtube by whoever and you're like oh i want to try that game and you go bam i want it yeah the game will get to you in quote-unquote five seconds but i'm assuming that as soon as you press that fuck yeah button there's probably going to be two or three more after that going are you sure you want to play this game are you sure you want to purchase this game are you double sure that it's okay for us to charge your credit card the 6792 for this game that you're just saying yeah i want to play because you know uh ego raptor played it unless it's yeah. subscription well then there based you go. right like that's enough that's yeah, all pertinent questions that did not necessarily get answered at the GDC. Are we talking you're going to have a service that's going to offer all these great things, and you're going to charge us two hundred dollars a year, or is it going to be, you know, you're going to buy a X, a Google, a Google Gaming Sphere Plus Platinum service for fifty dollars a year, and you still have to buy the games? We don't know. We don't know lots of promises were made at this GDC at this Google uh, uh, stadia announcement lots of I, I don't want to say fluff <clears throat> more like a lot of a lot of pizzazz with not a lot to back it up mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: another example they so I I, I I almost want to say I'm being, I would be too fucking nitpicky if I really picked this out, but everybody else has, and I just haven't went back and watched it again, but it's kind of, it's kind of activated my almonds just a little bit because one of the games that they demoed for this thing, well, I don't even really want to say demo, they showed like a snippet of it being played, uh, was Doom Eternal. I've had Doom Eternal pre-ordered. Since October of last year, 2018. Mm-hmm. And supposedly that game's not coming out till December of this year. I got a long way to go to wait for that game. And they were like, yeah, so uh one of the games is gonna be coming to this thing is uh is Doom Eternal. And uh we got a demo running right now. And I was like, You got a fucking what? I want to play this demo <laughs> on something other than this Google bullshit. You know, I've got right. it ordered for the PS4. Can I can I get my demo? But you couldn't so they they were they were really pushing doom eternal as in you know hey if we're gonna we we knew that if we were gonna show this shit off we had to do it right and what better game right now Uh, or they said that like it's the it's the most intensive game around and i don't know i'm not a please uh tweet at us and let us know if i'm wrong i don't necessarily consider doom's 2016 to be the most graphically intensive game out there for your computer right now but maybe i'm wrong but they were really pushing Doom Eternal that like yeah if we're going to if we're going to show what this shit can do we're going to put it up to the test with Doom Eternal the new game coming out that's going to be more graphically intensive i'm assuming this is my words not theirs then a 2016 game and here we go and they showed it running and apparently it it was a little choppy which that's not good you know you're pushing you're really selling how powerful this google uh stadium service thing is going to be and then the game that you throw up which is you're already taken out of my hands because i can't play this shit uh is not even running that well it's not running like you said it was going to that's 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 bad uh yeah just man they're they're pushing a lot of instantaneous like you can just you just surf through wherever you find this game you get it you're playing it within minutes uh, the processing power of this thing, they were throwing teraflops out there. That, that <laughs> phrase came out uh, again, which is, it just makes me roll my eyes into my asshole, I'm telling you. How yeah. just, t- t- teraflops, the new thing! If we just throw big numbers out there with teraflops on it, people will be wild. They said <laughs> it has more processing power than the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 Pro. Sorry, the Xbox One S and the PlayStation 4 Pro combined. It's like ten point four or five teraflops. I was like, oh god, here we go. Here we go. Anyway, that's
1: I, I don't yeah, even understand ahead. how this how this even works. If it's supposed to be streaming, so what is the device? Is it like a Roku? I don't know.
0: I honestly do not know.
1: I mean that's uh I thought the whole thing <sighs> was like you don't have a box, you don't buy a console, but where is that processing power?
0: it it's almost like they were saying that the servers that, that i feel like they're storing everything on their end mm-hmm. and they're just pushing it to you via your internet. They made a big disclaimer about, you know, all of this is going to be uh it's it's going to be limited by your internet. So if you don't have, you know, like my internet, if it's my little 12 megabytes then might not be that good. Okay. But for Google Fiber you know, and all yeah. these high, you know, those went, then it just goes right to you like nobody's business. Okay.
1: Now, now I understand better. Uh, actually, thinking about, because basically, thinking about like a Twitch stream, you know, I'm doing mm. the processing power on my end to push it out. I push it out at 1080p. That's what you're going to get as long as your internet can handle it. So, right. Similar concept with a lot more, with back and forth <laughs> instead of one way.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to be said about Google, <clears throat> excuse me, as a company. I mean, they are they are massive. They are titanic in size. They if anybody around here could do something this big, I do have full faith that Google can do it. My issue is just all the little details that are already being brought up, pricing, availability, are we talking like okay? They, they really wanted to push first party support, triple A games, you know. Okay, well, are you you're gonna you're gonna run in the same problem that the other three, four, if you count Steam, already have, you know. Exclusives are exclusives, and they was like, well, that's okay. We have a Google, uh, I keep forgetting this damn name, uh, Stadia. We have a Google Stadia first party team. Put together, and they're going to be making first-party games. Okay, well that's fine, but who are these people? What are their What are their company backgrounds? What games did they work on before they got here? Are you Are you going to make stuff that's strictly and solely based on this streaming idea, or are you going to get the new Assassin's Creed and the new Bloodborne and the new God of War and the new Gears of War? Like, what What are you bringing to the table when it came to that part? You know, Chris, the most important part of any conference like this. I didn't see the games. I saw a few, but nothing that interested me. And the stuff they showed that was first party was like, eh, eh, whatever. Uh, a big argument also was made that, hey, hey, calm down. This was the GDC. This is not E3. This is not uh, something for you. This is for the companies to it's like a sizzle reel for the for developers out there so they can go yeah i want to get down in this i want i want to be involved in this sure so they weren't trying to put out you know these six seven minute flashy trailers for us gamers but still this is their foray into the world of gaming you know this is for all intents and purposes this is their first step on the moon you know they they they're, they're, sh- they're sh- landing and showing what they have to offer, and right now all I can really say is, I I uh, it, I don't want to sound like I'm fucking pessimistic about it, but it's I need to see more than what I saw, as a consumer, as a gamer, I need to see more than what I saw because what I saw was minimal what i heard was a lot a lot of hey man this stuff's gonna be coming to you awesome it's it's gonna be so great and so big and we have the power and capacity and companies to push all this at you great well if this is gonna be the the number four of the gaming world you got to show me why and it i don't give a damn about what teraflops you can do i care about picking up you know the, the newest mario game and having fun i care about playing persona 6 on wherever the fuck i can play it on you know right so yeah we'll we'll see i i, I don't know i didn't see anything to blow my socks off and that's fine you know it, it's 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 gdc who knows uh, however they did put So, along with the pricing, Chris, along with the lack of subscription pricing and gaming pricing and all that, there's also uh, pricing for whatever this is. If it's, you know, the controller, there's no pricing for the controller, nothing like that. And there's also no, there are also no definitive dates, except for they did say this shit's coming this year. So, yeah, 2019, Mm -hmm. so... B- big things are about to hit sometime because it's about to March is about to be done yeah so could be summer this year could be holiday this year who who knows but they did say that all of this is coming this year I don't know man
1: I <sighs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting I mean just thinking about it like how i don't i don't I understand how it works from my visual standpoint like i was comparing it to streaming but how i'm curious what it loads where what memory is it stored in uh, again I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be like a roku type thing it has to be for something some storage or a chromecast type thing um and then how does how does the input work is there going to be i mean input delay is sounds like it's going to suck because if you're not storing enough of it locally then every button push has to go back to the server that's running your game or whatever mm-hmm. I just I, I don't understand it quite yet from a technical perspective
0: yeah I, I I'm so neutral on it man that's really about as best as I can put it if, if I, the games that I saw didn't wow me I didn't see anything new that was blowing the market away and if we really want to go beyond this chris we could have a whole separate conversation of do we even really need this <laughs> i mean if they're pushing if they're pushing they're pushing the power of it from what right. i gathered you know we're going to have the ability to push this super ultra high def 4k soon to be 8k resolution straight to your fucking eyeballs it's, it's not going to lag. It's not going to have all that. I and mean, That sounds like a big old pipe dream. That's fine. That's great. But if I have a console that can do that or come close to that, I don't really need this. So your next fallback is going to be, well, our exclusives. And then I'm just throwing my hands up in the air again. Like, God, <laughs> damn, are we back to this again? Are we back to console wars at, in 2019 and 20?
1: Like, just... I don't oh, know, man. Yeah, I, I think... Everything is just especially right now, in technology, everything's so cloud focused, streaming focused, you know, all these buzzwords and buzz technologies, if you will. We'll see.
0: Yeah. That was another big part too. I didn't I didn't take specific notes on all this. I'm kinda throwing it all from the hip, but they did they did mention cloud a lot. Like they were pushing the cloud part of it a lot, so yeah, more to come. We'll see. I don't know. I didn't research to see when they're gonna announce anything more on this. Again, it just kind of, I kind of got one left hooked and right hooked really fast on this, and uh, I took an interest in it because yeah, it's you know if, if Google, a giant company as Google is trying to step their foot into the gaming world. I mean, it's they're formidable. You know, that's that I. I always see Google as a forward-thinking company, always trying new things and and getting away from look. We're not we're not just a search engine. You know, we have vehicles and we're we're putting our fingers in lots of pies. And with that kind of forward-thinking, technologically focused, uh, idea-driven company like Google, yeah. What so? What do you guys have to offer? What do you bring to this to the table? But they're missing a well as far as what I saw anyway the big thing that they're missing right now is what we come to video games for and that's the games you know you, if you're if you're not pushing that then you're just adding another place to buy it which okay sure but that doesn't really do anything for me and if you're just doing nothing but the most exclusives and gobbling up everybody else well nah it's, it doesn't seem like you're in it for the gaming it seems like you're in it for something else we'll see time will tell
1: uh, Chris, what you been up to this week, man? So, pretty much uh, nothing but games this week. I don't think I have anything non-gaming to talk about. Yeah, no.
0: ditto. Um, I, mean, I got future stuff this weekend I'm doing, but yeah, this week, <laughs> nothing.
1: Um. Yeah, so I finished up Don't May Cry 4. All right. Um, took me seven and a half hours to beat. Um, mm-hmm. Good game. Um, going through the Devil May Cry series as a whole, and I'll talk about it more after talk about five, but every game, this is a good, this is a really good case of a game that actually got better with every iteration.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: it's not, there, there's, you know, sequelitis that happens. There's a lot of series where you go, well, this one's good, but skip that one. This one's good. This one, the only reason you would skip the old ones is because they didn't age well. But from a, you know, game-to-game look, it just got better and better. Um, gameplay, story, everything. Um, yeah. I think really my only issue with Devil May Cry 4 was the whole uh, sword revving thing. It didn't really seem useful. There never really seemed like a yeah. good time to use it. Um
0: uh, I always take that as it's another cool point for him. I mean, it's a sword with an engine on it. That's <laughs> okay as cool points go. You got me, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I agree. Same thing. And I've only made it a maximum of like three missions in the DMC four. I didn't use it a ton. I don't think. I mean, across the board, I haven't really used it a ton. But yeah, I get some cool points. Yeah. Um... I don't. I don't know. I think I would have to put this. We need like a weapons versus episode (laughs) because I would love to put Nero's revving fucking motorcycle engine on a on a blade up against Sam from uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance who put a fucking basically a pistol or a rifle uh, stock in his So when Nero revs his, what are we saying here? I love this. We're talking about revving a sword. So when Nero revs his sword, it basically Mm -hmm. gives it more power. Whereas Sam, when he pulls the trigger, it shoots the blade out. He has to quickly grab it and, and, and can guide it as it slices whatever that's pretty badass I <laughs> uh, uh, yeah that, that's a debate that's a debate depending on which to which of those two is better mm-hmm. I, I really think sam would win though but yeah i
1: don't know i'd have to i'm not familiar with the metal gear reference so yeah, I'd it's, a game, it's, a, it. it's a good game man it's a it's
0: a good solo standalone game
1: gotcha um Yeah, I don't think I have a whole lot to talk about 4. I really... I jumped straight into 5 afterwards. Mm -hmm. So... Well, we can have a...
0: Not so behind the scenes uh, question for each other. So do you want to... Because I played DMC5 as well. Do you want to just do what we did like last week and just save that... Sure. Toward the end? Okay, yeah.
1: So... I played two other games. Um, Okay. Path of Exile and I actually forgot to put this on my list because it's just been kind of a thing I play on the side, really. Um, but I played mm-hmm. more Path of Exile. I'm understanding it a little bit better. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm making a little bit more progress. I did start my second character for to do a different build, and it's not. And it's funny because I was like, okay, I'm going to a different build, but the build I went with for the second, this uh, uh, Nova Vortex uh, build, um, starts out with the same character as my other build, my uh, minion build. Mm -hmm. So the first Mm -hmm. little bit was the same, but I made one choice difference. Like in the first reward you can pick and that just completely changed the way I played the character from my first character. Hmm. Um, so basically like level two completely different play style already. Um, and that's without getting into all the stuff that I'm now getting into at like level 25. Um, And it's fun. Um, it's, it took me some getting used to once I got the new jewel because, uh, our gem, I think they're called jewels. I don't even, anyway, it doesn't matter. Same thing. Um, yeah, fuck this game. (laughs) Uh, but it's, it's an addicting game. It's like, okay, it's that, you know, Diablo. All right, one more area, one more area. Um, I have a very hard time not picking up everything and making, like, 50 trips back and forth Um, because there's no, like, straight-up currency like gold or, you know, whatever. You have Mm -hmm. items you get or scraps to make items you get from selling stuff to NPCs. And and that's what the player market is, too, because there's a player market. You basically trade equipment for these uh they call it currency but it's not gold it's like uh, an item that will change the modifiers on a piece of equipment or will upgrade a normal piece of equipment to a uncommon you know or from normal to rare for the higher tier thing Um, so you have Mm -hmm. all these different quote-unquote currency items that do different things to equipment and that's what the market is based around um, which is a really cool concept and it does kind of negate the whole purpose of picking everything up and selling it because selling most stuff just gives you basically scraps to make scrolls of wisdom, which are basically just your identify scrolls, um, which you quickly get a lot of just by selling stuff that's worth selling. Um, I think I'm sitting over maybe 200 by this point. Uh, mm-hmm. so it really becomes pointless. Um, Really hard. It's a hoarder's nightmare. Um, (laughs) I'm having lots of fun. Uh, I don't think I have much to say about it. I'm still just diving in and trying to learn. Uh, I'm on Act 2 now. I think I'm almost through Act 2. Maybe. Um, Yeah. So the other game I just picked up today. I don't know what your plans are for it. But it is Sekiro, shadows die twice. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah. Boy. I've had uh, I've had Sekiro pre-ordered for a long time now. Which it, it just me saying that phrase alone is is a fucking new world to me. I had something pre-ordered, Jesus. But to f- to further wave my fucking pinky in the air, it was available for pre-download Thursday night. And I did pre-download it last night uh, while I was playing other games and doing other stuff. It is downloaded. It is sitting here. I will probably be working on it starting either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, if anything, maybe as late as next week. Because based off what I'm about to say for the other games, I'm, I'm kind of at like a middle point. Okay. Uh, I... I kind of I really do feel like a shitbag if I have something pre-ordered and don't jump into it immediately. <laughs> However, the the my my mental priority above that is I've never been that person that has to play the newest thing right then sure. right there. Thirdly, most important, uh, we said this last episode I believe and I know I've said it on other episodes as well, but it bears this is a point that has to be driven home. I'd say it on every episode of our podcast if I could. This is a Dark Souls-esque game. And there is nothing more fun, nothing more engaging. There is no more heart and soul to those style games than your first run through. Your first virgin run through. Any of those games. Dark Souls 1. Dark Souls 2. Dark Souls 3. Any of those DLCs. Demon Souls. Bloodborne. And hopefully even Sekiro. There's nothing like going through those games. Completely blind. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. The frustration will level out over time. When you start mastering that game. And that's the fact that that is there, I, I run into that problem like I told you before, Chris. It's like, man, I want to go play it, but I kind of want to save it. But I don't want to save it because <laughs> I pre-ordered the damn thing. Mm-hmm. What's the point of pre-ordering if I'm going to wait for a while? But I don't want to rush it. I'm in a turmoil. I, 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 I feel like probably Saturday, more than likely Sunday, I'm about to, I'm about to get into this thing.
1: Yeah. So I, I've put two hours into the game. Um... Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of had to turn it off for now. Um, I, I'm all about the setting. Um, the story they presented so far is interesting. You know, the whole uh, samurai slash ninja, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that whole setting, I love it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mechanically... I'm. I haven't quite gotten hooked by the mechanics. Um, mm-hmm. They the whole uh, blocking and because so when you play Dark Souls, you have a few different ways you can play it, right? Depending on what kind of build you're doing, what equipment you have, etc. You know, you have parries, mm-hmm. blocking, dodging. You have all these things that you can use. Um, so far one of the issues I've had with Sekiro is dodging <laughs> on, and I don't know how, you know, again, I only put two hours into it so far. I don't know how much it defers per enemy, but dodging so far has almost been worthless. Um, mm-hmm. There are only certain attacks that dodging works. Um, I'm, and based on what I've seen, you know, the game really focuses on this, you know, parry, uh, counterattack type mentality which is fine on the standard enemies but as soon as you get an enemy that's different, you know, a little boss or something uh, all of a sudden that just goes out the window because then they have attacks you can't parry so then it's like, okay, well, can I dodge? and then dodging doesn't work half the time and I know some mm. of it's just learning the game, right? Learning the timing yeah, etc. Yeah. but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good out the gate and that's kind of turning me off on top of I just went through five Devil May cry games where I'm you know oh, rolling yeah. around mm. slashing dodging <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah you might need a might need a break <laughs> yeah
1: so i uh, after 2 hours i was like all right i turned it off and i played uh path of the exile until it was time to record <laughs> cuz i just i needed to i was getting frustrated I'm like, all right i need to just put this down for now
0: yeah it's it's it- It's one of the many things I'm looking forward to playing forward to Insecuro when I start playing it is that. So when you take there, let's take two separate games in the same uh, by the same company. You got you have Bloodborne and you have Dark Souls. And while, yes, Dark Souls does have. For those that know their ins and outs of that game, you can play a defensive tankish person. You can just block, you can just tank everything. Mm-hmm. You could play a dodgy person, you can just dodge everything. You could play a straight offensive person, you just get in there and fucking waylay. You can play a mage where you just back the fuck up and nuke shit from a distance. There are multiple ways to do that. And Bloodborne, you have no shield, bro. You just go. You just get, you have to get in there. You are 70 to 80% dodging. Ten percent say getting all the tax perfectly aligned and timed and all that, and and I mean you're basically twenty. The lat you're twenty percent. You're basically offensive. That's all that game is, and it's going to be interesting for me to play this now and see what what's different. Is this a defensive game? Is this a offensive game? Is it more of a tactful game? I, I do know this, if there's one lesson I've learned all the way from Dark Souls 1, and I learned that one the hard way, we're talking weeks before that shit finally clicked in my head, I will be paying very close attention to every single minimal tutorial that it gives me. If it tells <laughs> me, if I pull up a thing and it says you need to press this button to do this, I will be taking a physical note of that. Because if I don't, All those basics, I'm going to miss. And when the game starts beating my face in, I'm going to have nobody to blame but my own self. I've learned this the hard way in both of those games. I'm going to try my best not to make the mistake in this one. Now, the other challenge of this game is going to be figuring out where the fuck to go. Because I will admit... As much as I love Dark Souls and Bloodborne, Bloodborne was a little better. Bloodborne was a little better about basically showing you that this is the way to go. Uh, If anybody disagrees with me, I will tell you this. Uh, Spoiler for Dark Souls 1, I guess. Definitely turn this off for about a minute if you don't want Dark Souls spoiled at all, which I suggest you do not. Uh... I did not know for the longest time that you had to equip that ring and then fall down that place to, to, to find the four kings like that. That just blew my mind. And yes, after the fact, behind the fact, when I went and searched what to look up. Or when I looked up where to go and how to get there, it I was pointed out. Yeah, they tell you this and that, and if you read this and read that and read this, it'll show you that's what you should have done. You should have just inferred that's what could I, that's what you should do. That not not exactly the best way to do games for me. Mm-hmm. I'm. Now I do enjoy the lore. I love the I love the lore crafting in the Dark Souls universe. I really do. I love the fact that it's almost still ambiguous that the writer himself hasn't come out and just wrote a book that lines every single thing out. It seems like there's there there are hundreds if not thousands of videos out there of people still trying to piece all put all the pieces together. And we're talking about people that, that master this game, people that wake and sleep Reading every single detail of every item, every weapon, every armor, etc., trying to piece together the lore of these games, and they still don't seem to have it down a hundred percent. They got a really good idea, but they may not have it a hundred percent. That's fine. I kind of, I, I do kind of get into that, like, oh, well, maybe this is what happened. Maybe this is why Ula Seal did this, or maybe this is why uh, Ornstein and Smo were this way. Maybe this is why. Uh, So on and so forth, but when it comes to the game itself, going this is where you should go. I'm not the biggest fan of you had to. I'm I'm not a fan of the Castlevania uh, Simon's quest, uh, loose interpretation slash inferring clues on where to go. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how this game does that.
1: Yeah, I will see how. So far, it's been much more linear than uh, Dark Souls, for sure. But even more linear than I think Demon Souls was. Um, those yeah. are the only two Souls games I've played. So, um. Yeah,
0: Bloodborne seemed to do it a little bit better, especially with the shortcuts and everything. I mean, Bloodborne, it is shortcut porn. It's exactly what that game is. You will unlock an area five hours into the game, and it will have you set up pass all the way through like to the first of the game and mm-hmm. you're like oh I, I this opened up this way which lets me get to here easier which lets me access this place easier and it's that's great for that i love that i loved i love my progression through bloodborne because the the I can't go that way because it's blocked I shouldn't go that way because there's there are things way more powerful than me I should go this way because it feels like I'm getting a decent challenge that was all throughout there as opposed to well let me stop everything I'm doing because I, I cannot open a door and then you pull up this thing and the description leads to this thing, and you pull up that which leads to this thing, and you go, "Oh yeah, you're supposed to, you know, hold this halo up in the sunlight and wait for the winds of the west to blow you to the to." The, it's, uh, I don't, man. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I just, I'm not not really down for that. I'm down t- for it to a point until it's days later. I'm like, I do not know what to do. I don't know where to go. I am itching to kill more things. I'm itching to do more combat and find more bosses, but I don't know where to go. Oh, it's this thing that I I never would have figured this out. Yeah.
1: I never finished Dark Souls 1 because I got stuck and I I I was playing it blind and you know when I go back to it, I still mm-hmm. will, but I basically felt like my game bugged because I'm like, okay, I have a door. I got the key for the door. The door's still locked. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. I've seen no other doors. What talking about. Yeah, I've gone through every area so many times, even going through, you know, the stupid skeletons more than once, even though <laughs> I still, they were still rough at that point, you know, not as bad as early on, but I'm going everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm tired of this. Yeah. I'm going to go play something else.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Titular that we're talking about something like this too. It's coincidental. When I come to my week, I've got some stuff like that too. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm interested. We'll we'll see what Sekiro has for me. Um I'm hoping great things. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, I I'm debating on I might go and watch uh the first little bit of uh, somebody's playthrough just to see, you know, if they're doing something different than I am or you know if there's something obvious I'm missing uh without going far enough to actually spoil anything for myself. Um mm-hmm. just to just to see, you know. You never know if there mm-hmm. might be that aha moment where I realized, you know, I'm sucking because I'm not pressing this button, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, that's aside from uh 5, that's that's my week
0: All right. So yeah, I got uh I got Sekiro downloaded. It's sitting there waiting for me, nice and pretty. Uh, and I as well played some Fry, but we'll save that to the end of this before we get into the topic. Uh, the other two games that I've been playing on... Well, I guess you could say three in, in totality. Uh, so I, I went back a little bit and worked on some uh, Resident Evil 2 remake. I'm still going through Claire's campaign. Okay. I'm in the... I'm I'm in the lab. I've I've got the majority of the lab done. I just got the third level uh, access thing unlocked and that's that's where I stopped at. Still enjoying that for what it is, man. Uh, it's I, I, I'm I'm really kinda itching to, to see how her campaign wraps up, how how that differs from the PS2 version. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's just something I'm working on off and on. Uh, for no real reason. I mean, it's not like a, a, a disgust or I'm tired of it. It's just I, I'm working on lots of stuff and I'm fixing to work on another one. So, yeah. Uh, the other game, I'm trying to think there's anything else in that little bit that I did. Oh, uh, uh, and spoiler warnings for Resident Evil 2 Remake, just in case. I mean, I'm only going to talk about it for about five minutes or so, but... Um, I had a me moment because that's all my life is, is fucking me being me. And so I got into the lab area and Chris, you know that one of the enemy that one of the new enemy types in the lab area are the new upgraded plant monsters. Well, when I went through as Leon, I had a fire based weapon that as soon as I got there, I had an an overabundance of fire ammunition for this thing. And I shot and killed the first one that I came across. And, of course, when I left the room and went to another room, went to another room, came back, that fucker was still there. I was like, hmm. And I immediately put two and two together. Okay. They're plant-based. I've got a fire thing. I'll just put fire on them. See what that does. That burns them to a fucking charcoal crisp. Awesome. They don't get up anymore. Good to know this. I go th- I'm go <laughs> i going through Claire's campaign. And I get down in the lab and I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have that fire thing anymore. I wonder what I'm going to do. And I don't know, Chris, if it's just because I didn't pay that close attention because I just started burning them all all over the place in Leon's campaign. But when I came across the first one in Claire's, I noticed there's little orange like sacks on their body And I was like, okay, okay. obviously if I shoot those, if I shoot all of them or enough of them, it'll go down. And yeah, sure enough, after three, sometimes four of those sacks being popped, they went down. But, of course, when I came back to the room a little bit later, they came back. I'm like, alright, so that's not... How the fuck am I supposed to combat these guys? I don't... I need, like, a flame thing. Like, am I supposed to use, like, that? the the electric weapon that I got? That wouldn't make any sense, though. But I guess I could electrocute them enough to where they catch on fire? This doesn't make any sense. Well, let me go back to my fucking box and see what I got. Go back to my box. One of the first fucking ammunitions I look at are the fucking flame rounds for Mm -hmm. my grenade launcher. (laughs) And I went, oh, I'm just a dumbass. That's what it is. So I pulled out the fucking grenade launcher and mm-hmm. the 7,000 flame rounds I had for it, and they're not a problem anymore at all. Well, they're definitely not a problem now because I'm pretty much done with that entire area, but that was a, man, come on, you can't, I blame this on me not playing for a few weeks, but I no, that's not good enough. I know that I had fucking flame rounds, so yeah. Uh, the other game I'm working on is a Steam game that I downloaded recently. I can't remember if I got it on a state on a sale or not, but either way, it's 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 another Metroidvania that a lot of people have been talking about uh, past year. Or so however long it's been out? It's Mo- uh, Momodora, I believe is how you pronounce it. M o m o d o r a. And, I mean, that's that's all I really need to say about it. It's a Metroidvania. You get abilities and upgrades as you go along. There's some fairly challenging boss fights. The first two boss fights that I went up against weren't that bad, but they have been progressively getting more difficult. But I've been making progress, unlocking a map and unlocking new items and new areas and all the wonderful things that just just the center of me that are Metroidvania uh it does have a decent little storyline to go with it so is it i definitely wouldn't say it's better than hollow knight by any regards so far i don't know how long this game is i know that one of the prerequisite quests that i was on for the main storyline apparently was to find these four separate items to unlock this next room or next thing i got those and i'm in this new area so i don't know if this is going to be a continuation if there's more like a lot more to do but we'll see i am enjoying it i mean it's it's been one of my it's been my main go-to come home and play thing uh and when i get tired or bored or if it's i just want to play something else then i go play something else but uh, i'm making my way i think i want to say i'm about 12 or 13 hours into it i think the map said i was about 60s or 70 something percent done so it's probably going to be wrapping up fairly soon which i mean even i mean again it's a metroidvania so i'm already fine with it and uh i want to say i got it on sale so i got it for a cheap price and that many hours with this much stuff in it it's fine but still if i had to point somebody that have never played one to a Steam Metroidvania it, it's it's Hollow Knight with the biggest asterisk I can possibly put at the end of that name
1: the I, other game that I was working oh go ahead I, it must have came with something or I got it on uh, what you call it uh, Humble Bundle because I own the game didn't yeah. even know it
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it's 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 pretty good pretty interesting I'm enjoying it. That's the that's the only part that really matters. So the other game, and let me think. I mean, I, I guess I could really throw out a brief snippet. I only this was only like maybe an hour, and it was just to have some good old, uh, just just some fucking feel good fun right before uh, Devil May Cry Five came out. So this might be a little bit late. And if this is this is retelling a story, I'm sorry. I don't think I did, but I told a few people about this. Maybe I told Adam, and I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not. But anyway, so I've had uh, Devil May Cry three for Steam for the longest time now, a year or so, and it's always been one of those I'm going to go back and play it, but I want to save it. I just, I just that's, that's going to be something I just want to go just, just enjoy myself over and have a good time, but I, I want to wait. And with seeing all the devil may cry videos seeing uh woolly and then seeing devil may cry being played by a lot of my favorite content creators on youtube i figured all right i'm just gonna go in uh if anything i'll knock a few missions out i mean again i've already done what i wanted to do in devil may cry 3 i beat it on the second to last difficulty probably a decade or more ago that's enough for me that was the level of tearing my hair out Slash, I still think this game is so fucking cool and rad and fun. So I had this game and I downloaded it uh, and installed it and went to go play it. And all. I mean, this is a good hour or two alone just getting this shit set up. It does have controller support, but it, it doesn't have correct controller support. I had to go find this thing and that thing and download a patch and do all this shit and finally got the damn thing to work. And then I had to spend some more time getting the graphics to work because I had to get the screen right. And, yeah. As opposed to just putting turning on my PlayStation 3 and popping in a Devil May Cry 3 HD thing. Yeah, this is a little, a little more work. But I finally got it to work. And then once it did work, everything went flawless. I mean, it was... It was devil may cry 3 but playing playing on steam the hd uh remastered i was a remastered or deluxe edition either way it's, it's the most update yeah remaster and oh man i think i made it three missions in and it was just man i just, i can't say enough just how fucking fun and cool that game is uh man that's really about it for that uh the other game that I was going to work on, noticing a trend here because uh, Sekiro was coming out, I had what prompted this was I was watching uh, Cog, another channel I subscribed to, and uh, a review for Neo in IOH came across, and I watched that, and I was like, "Yeah, I did play fucking Neo for a couple days." What? I, I get lost on how many other games take place of a game I'm playing, but something mm-hmm. else came out around when I started playing Neo and I stopped playing Neo and started playing that and then played another game and never went back. Not because the game is bad, just just the way life fucking worked. So I copied over the 80 something plus gigabytes, uh, Neo and, uh, yeah, started playing through it. And I'd already made it past the first area, which is is the giant castle area. I was into the second area at the f- second checkpoint, I guess you'd say. So I had to spend a little bit of time learning all the controls to myself. I didn't start the game over. I, I, I really should have, but I didn't. I just muscled my way through because most of the stuff is pretty well taught to you on the screen i mean you hold buttons and stuff swaps around and i'm i'm fairly intuitive with all the souls games i play that i i can fuck around with the controls Mm -hmm. and so i got back into that and then it was trying to figure out where to go uh and i did i finally made it through the first area it's a lot of the usual Souls style stuff where I had to plow through enemies and then I ran out of healing shit and then I got waylaid so I had to go all the way back to the checkpoint, plow through the same enemies again, just hoping and praying I survived at least to get back to where I dropped my shit, then I pick my shit up and make it past a couple more enemies and die. And I mean that that grind is I It sounds bad hearing it, but I promise you, when you're doing it and you get better at it, it, it's so fucking rewarding. It really is. And this is the same way. I mean, you have three different stances in Neo, and you really have to look at what the enemy's doing. You not only want to block... Appropriately, you want to dodge appropriately. You also want to have the correct stance. That way, if they're have their weapon up high, you can go low and get a guaranteed hit, etc., etc. So, I had to reteach myself, and then re, and then find my way around, and finally got past the first level. I did a secondary mission style level. Went through that, not not quickly, but it's in comparison to that whole entire area, I went through it fairly fast. And then I got to the second level. Um, I made it to the first checkpoint. Took some time, like it's always gonna do, and and then I met kind of a wall for me, which is fine. I mean, I've made it through Blight Town, so I imagine over time I can do this one too. But I got, I'm I was fucking tearing through enemies. Not only small enemies, but big enemies, and people that have played Neo know what I'm talking about. Uh, for those that don't, I mean, you got standard. Any any enemy in this game can fuck you up. I mean, you have you have guys that have pole arms, you have guys that have swords, guys that have, have bows, guys that have giant odachi's, etc. I mean, and and all of those have different skill levels and different difficulties. So you can find you can fight a guy with it's just with a katana, and he is just powerful, takes a lot of hits, and, and is really fast. He can just fuck you up. You can find another guy that has a really big uh, double-handed axe, and you, three hits, he's down. There's a good mixture of enemies in here. When you fight the bigger enemies, they are exactly as you would think they are. They are larger in size. They're take a they almost like mini-bosses. They take a lot of hits to take down, and they hit you very fucking hard. So I went through figuring out this path, figuring out where to go, dying, going back, dying, going back, dying, not being able to get back, losing all my shit, having to go back and build up again. I'm, I'm in that mind frame. So I went through this area from the checkpoint that I could find. I'm saying that with a caveat because it could be that I just didn't find the other checkpoint, but we're talking a good, Chris, a good hour, if not more, that I went from from I finally got from this checkpoint to where where the boss was. I stumbled across upon the, the boss area <laughs> and I backed up and I was like, yeah, I see that up there. That's a boss room. Mm -hmm. I need to back up and find a save point. But as you, Chris, and anybody else out there that has soul's knowledge knows, if you go back to a save area or a save point, a bonfire, a lamp, whatever, when you click that thing, yeah, you get your health back. Yeah, you get all your healing potions or whatever back. But you also reset all the enemies. So... I was like, well, I mean, come on. I just went through another area where I unlocked a shortcut. There's obviously a, a shrine slash save point thing around here somewhere. I just got to find it. I walked around and walked around and walked around. I found a secret hidden enemy that I didn't even know was there. I don't, I don't know if I stumbled <laughs> upon him or what, but my little helper narrative friend guy was like hey you should do something to that wall and i did and this fucking thing popped out i killed that guy by the skin of my teeth and now after doing that i had like up an a eighth of my health left and i had no more healing potions nothing at all so i just kept looking around even more trying to find a save point couldn't find one I should have done the smart thing, Chris. I should have done the proper thing and either used a teleport to go back to the beginning or just walked back to the checkpoint itself and sure. and just saved and fucking manned up and walked through it. But I said, no, I'm going to go in here and see what I can do to this boss. <laughs> and I went in there and I got about about a quarter of their health down and they just wham bam like fucking nobody's business i was out i was gone and it was at that point that i set that game down for a hot minute and i'm going to if i'm going to waste that type of that 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 anger which i know is going to be there that that frustration of god oh, this shit is fucking unforgiving i'm going to pay that forward to sekiro before i sit here for two months playing neo and then you know it takes me two months to get into into uh sekiro uh if you're listening out there and you want to write in or email in or however you want to do it and talk about uh your experiences with neo i'd love to hear them uh please keep it spoil free if you can especially don't At this, as of this recording, try not to, you know. Here's exactly what you need to do. There's probably something small I'm missing. Sekiro, much like much like Bloodborne and Dark Souls and all these other games, I could see that there were secret paths, and there were like you would walk into a room and take a left because you could clearly see the left is the way to go. But if you look left, but a little bit more to the right, you can see another path. It's full of that stuff. So maybe I just missed. A path maybe I thought that I backtracked to an area and I actually didn't so there, maybe there's a shirt a shortcut or a shrine that's right there by the boss and I just couldn't find it But man it's it's really you get that right there when you plow through about 27 28 enemies and about eight or nine huge enemies plus a secret enemy with only four healing potions. And then you get to the boss. I've done that shit already folks. I've done it in, in multiple Dark Souls games. <laughs> I just didn't feel like doing it. When I did it. I'll wait till Sekiro starts pulling that shit. And I'll, I'll try to muscle my way through it that way. Definitely not a put down for Neo. Because that is a challenge for me. As much as any of the souls have ever been. I will be going back to Neo at some point. I will be making my way through that game. Uh, that shit's not going to beat me. If I, if I have to go all the way through that shit with not using any heal potions, then I'll do it at some point. Just not right now. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, except for Devil May Cry 5. So, uh, and this will not be a Devil May Cry 5 episode. It just so happens that Chris and I were playing it, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. So... Uh, I guess a really brief spoiler-free thing, Chris. Uh I, I I enjoyed Devil May Cry 5, had a good time with it. I enjoyed the way that the story went. The action is definitely there. There are mm-hmm. multiple characters to play through, multiple weapon types to use, and multiple weapons upon multiple characters. So there's a lot of variety. A lot of encouragement for doing combos. I mean this is standard Devil May Cry fair is in here. On top of Jesus is the same as like Resident Evil Two, man. Almost photorealistic graphics. Anytime movie scenes came on, so, uh, I mean all around, all around. If you're into these style games, I would recommend it. I think you will enjoy it. Uh, and that's really my spoiler-free synopsis of it.
1: Yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, if you play through the other games. This is such a great culmination of everything into a, you know, modern Devil May Cry game. It looks phenomenal. Amazing graphics. Um, Mm -hmm. As you said, story. Interesting story. Uh, All the way through the ending. It, uh, it's a good mix of, you know, the humor that you know from it, but it's toned down a smidge but not really. <laughs> mm-hmm, it it mm-hmm. feels kind of toned down, but if you think about it, it they make up for it elsewhere. Um, especially with like you're talking about uh, Dante in particular, he's a little bit more toned down, but you have some other uh, characters that make it up for him. Um, mm-hmm. It took me eight and a half to nine hours to beat the game. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a little bit longer than, I think the only one that took me longer than that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a solid game. Uh yeah. I'm I'm setting this one to the side for, you know, when we talk about uh the best games of this year. That mm-hmm. one's that one's on the list already, you know, as a contender okay. so far.
0: You've heard it right here for episode one hundred and twenty seven, uh <laughs> it <that> out early. <laughs> uh yeah. Good. All right. So, uh, from here on, uh, it's gonna be spoiler. It's gonna be spoiler heavy for Devil May Cry Five. Uh, so you've been warned. If you don't want to have any of this stuff spoiled, you should you should fast forward. Maybe about a, about thirty minutes or so. Um, maybe in the future we'll add some timestamps or whatnot. But yeah. so. It's good to hear that, Chris. So you've already beaten it as well? Yeah. Of course, you did say that. Uh, I, man, and look, man, I'm sorry. I tried. uh, This is something else. This This is a tiny nitpick, and it's not just toward this game. It's for any game that doesn't do it. We're in 2019. Of the myriad things that I'm getting really fucking tired of seeing in games, I'm tired of seeing a lack of... I'm tired of not seeing game timers. That's really bugging me. Resident Evil 2 had a pretty malicious one. I mean, if you paused Resident Evil 2 Remake, it paused your timer as well. So if you had some instance where you had to pause the game and set the controller down and didn't come back for five hours, it paused your time. So I really appreciated Devil May Cry, uh, Resident Evil Two remakes uh, timing system. It was mm-hmm. it's it's fairly accurate for what my gameplay is. It takes time accurately of me being in the game, physically playing the game. So good. Devil May Cry Five can't find a timer anywhere. So it's loose guess how long it took me. Uh, I wasn't timing it. I don't typically time it like that. I look for timers to do that work for me. Uh, yep. unless I got, there's unless go ahead
1: I got my time because I streamed it all so I just looked at how long I streamed <laughs> solid
0: solid yeah if, and if there's a game that I'm really intensely focused on uh, you know like God of War Persona something like that and if if that game doesn't have a timer I'll try my best to take some notes on it but I kind of knew going in if with it being a Devil May Cry game I undershot the amount of levels i figured it'd be about 10 15 levels it turns out to be about like 24 25 missions so yeah uh i undershot how many levels it was going to be but i i was planning on you know 15 20 hours and that was an overestimate so i feel like somewhere around there is what it was for me but I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to barrel my way through the game, and I wasn't trying to do everything. I did a few of the side uh, missions, the ones where you had to look at a specific area, and yada, yada, yada. But I just really went through the game trying to have fun. So, before we get into the obvious uh, best part of this game, which is the gameplay itself, uh, story. So, it's interesting... It's, it's gonna be interesting to feel to hear how your feelings are on the story especially freshly going through <laughs> all the games and getting the story uh so for me right off the bat man i know this is like a tried and true thing for me and i really need to get over this but i feel like i'm never going to when i heard the what i could swat out of my vision and and hearing about there's another character in this game i was like ah, oh, i don't want to know i don't want to i already <laughs> knew the character's name was v because people just can't control themselves and they had to keep saying it and i you know i overheard eventually that yeah there's a new character in here his name is v when that was there chris i knew nothing else i didn't want to know anything else i went out of my way to avoid everything so when this new character came in what a what a small roller coaster of emotions (laughs) for v for me when this motherfucker strolled out with his emo fucking haircut and all of his tattoos and his gothic fucking clothes reading poetry with a fucking what looked like what i thought was a fucking raven flying around him i was like man You guys are leaning into this now? (laughs) Come on. You have Dante, who is a badass, wisecrack character. You have Nero, who has a fucking, almost like an attitude problem, but he's also badass. And you have fucking dark-haired emo guy. Oh, I was was already getting put off by this guy. Already getting put off by this try-hard emo guy. Missions go on playing as Nero, playing as Nero playing as Nero and they're like alright well now you get to play as V and I'm like alright fine, I'm gonna give it a <laughs> shot, I can't see myself going away from this game because of this guy if I don't like this guy I will just I will fucking A, 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 A through his fights and get through this shit and get back sure. to Nero and hopefully get to Dante soon and then I played as V and had a fucking good time oh yeah playing as v how fucking cool is that shit to play as a summoner in this game yeah i'm not i've played summoners but that's playing a summoner in final fantasy 14 sure this is that but in an action style game you sit the fuck back and you sick your familiars on your enemy they do the work you do as V go in and do the coup de gras, but yeah, they're 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 doing their thing. They're they're out there doing all the work for you. And that turned out to be a lot more fun than I thought it was. On top of, as you progress with these characters, like all Dev May Cry, the more orbs you put in them, the more abilities you unlock, right. the more combo additions you unlock, the more uh, battle. Uh, tactics you unlock so yeah it's i i i, I was very surprised I, I i i'm a i'm a i'm on both sides of the fence with V. chris i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i'm i wasn't really digging his his appeal but his combat was on point i mean the first time that i summoned nightmare and that motherfucker like crashed through a building and the debris from the building still hit enemies along mm-hmm. with him hitting them. That was badass. Yeah. And when I summoned Nightmare again in another level and he fell... He just fucking belly flopped, dropped from the sky onto the battlefield. Killed like four of the nine enemies I was fighting. I was like, fuck yeah, man. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he was... I I had kind of the same initial reaction but mine was much shorter. Um at first I was like, okay, who is this? And then you know, did the poetry thing and I was like, okay. I uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling the vibe he's putting out. Okay, let's see where it goes and yeah, as the game progressed, I just liked him more and more. Um by the end of it, Nero was my least favorite character out of the ones you control. Wow. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He he just didn't feel good for me in this game. Uh, I don't like the new system they did for him. Mm-hmm. I don't like the arm thing.
0: Yeah, um, I wasn't a fan either.
1: I, I really I didn't use it. I did not use it uh, except for like the healing one a couple of times. Other than that, yep. I would just basically ignore it.
0: Yep. I I I will always be a fan of the snatch snatch is good snatch is fun and it's yeah. very versatile I mean it's always been even in 4 but especially in this game I used it a lot but yeah when mm-hmm. it came to the I, to, to the degree Chris that I will say that I'm, I even really didn't understand it aside from I can press this button and detonate it and the detonation will have an effect but my god toward the end of the game I had like 15 or 20 different ones that I could have used I had them all on my stock because I never used them Oh. I use snatch all the time. I didn't really detonate any of them, so <laughs> whatever.
1: Yeah, I I basically all I did was I went in the equip menu and did whatever was recommended, um, mm-hmm. and typically like left one slot blank, so I could pick yeah. up something if I saw it and wanted it. Um, but not being able to switch between them while you're playing, that's yeah. another thing. It's like okay, well yeah, I would carry you know a couple of this one and then some of the healing ones and I just switch to the healing ones when I need it. No, you can't. You have to blow up the one you're using to get to the next one. It's like okay, mm-hmm. that's that's not a good system.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh a little bit back to V, uh one mm-hmm. of the one of the moments that made me put my controller down and even get my wife's attention and just I just had folded my arms and was smiling and shaking my head at the screen. So all the characters have taunts, all of them, and they have different taunts. I want to say there's about five or six for each character, and there are different taunts depending on what you're doing. If Nero jumps up in the air and you do a taunt, he like surfs on his blade for a second and says something and comes down. Taunting helps to add towards your style meters, so taunting now and again is actually highly encouraged in this game. Never used it. So, I'm playing as V. This is like his 6th, 7th, 8th mission that that I played as him. I was in some area, some sewer area, whatever. I killed a bunch of enemies. I was killing a group of enemies. And I was like, oh yeah, Todd I want to start seeing his. So, I i do three four or five moves do a taunt squeeze a taunt in here and there and add in my style meter up kept going kept going and i i think most of the time i remember him just saying a few lines of poetry or something mm-hmm. like he would say something and, and it would be at the taunt i kill all the enemies i press the taunt button the music stops the music changes to the flight of the valkyries and V is waving his hands around like dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and I look back at my wife. I'm like, "He's his taunt is the entire flight of the Valkyrie song." And he, yeah, he's just fucking waving his arms around and bopping his head to the in the flight <laughs> of the Valkyries was playing. I, that was that was kind of a a clappy moment for V. Aside from Nightmare, again, when you summon Nightmare at any given point in that game, he will have a different entrance. Like depending on what set piece you're in when you're fighting, who knows what enemies he can come in in a different way. I've seen him come in and just smoke an enemy. I've again, I've seen him coming through buildings. I've seen him fall from the sky. Summoning Nightmare was pretty cool. I think of the three of those, I use the uh, the bird the least. Because, I don't know, it's kind of like using the gun. And again, like you said, Chris, man, the guns just, they get so underplayed. It's such yeah. a shame.
1: It, it was really, I mean, there was a whole strategy thing to where you summon them initially and then moving around with them to get them to attack like you wanted to. Uh, it was it was one of those things where you almost wanted to let them disappear at times so you could yeah. resummon them in a more... Uh, advantageous position Uh, yep but yeah and how about him having the ability to just charge up his meter anytime oh man that was sure it's risky but that's
0: insane yes yeah i'm sure there are many folks out there that can overpower this guy he has the ability to do that Mm -hmm. and yeah, the the controlling of the of the familiars as well. The the only downside that I could find was okay. So if I'm playing as Nero or as Dante, uh, if I walk up to some orbs, some orbs that I have to like smash through them to collect them, mm-hmm. uh, it's easy. I walk up to them, I press my sword button, they slash through the orbs, and I get them. Doesn't didn't always seem to work with V. I'd walk up to him and I had to face them properly, and then I'd throw the the cat familiar out, and he would miss it or go around it, <laughs> and then I would back up and try to line it up a little better, and still wouldn't do it. So I back up, and then I would just send the bird. The bird would shoot shoot you know attacks at it, and finally get it. I just f- attacking inanimate objects as V for me for whatever reason seemed a little bit more difficult uh considerably more difficult than with nero or dante yeah
1: the the trick to that is to lock on get pretty close and then summon them at the same time and they'll kill it immediately yeah
0: but other than that again that was he already had a lot going against him in my favor because it was something new and I'm just not down for it. Yada, yada, yada. And then when I saw him as a person, I was like, oh, man, this guy. <laughs> like, what is this? Fucking 2000 again. And we're playing to the emos now. Mm-hmm. But then I played as him and he was pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, Nero? Uh, Nondescript, man. I've liked him as much as I've liked him in 4. Again, I've really liked the snatch ability. It really adds to the... It adds to the combos when I can slap the shit out of something and then grab them and pull them back to me. No, I'm not done with you and keep going. So, yeah, down for that. But he has... I mean, it's... It, it's I'm just... I'm always indifferent to Nero. I, I feel bad for saying that because I know there's a lot of Nero fans out there. But, and again, in comparison to Dante, <laughs> who I will always put as the face of this entire franchise... Oh, yeah yeah he's 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 good he does his job he collects his paycheck no Mm -hmm. doubt dante oh man (sighs) all four fucking abilities right from the get-go all four stances it's just reminiscent Mm -hmm. from devil may cry 3 all over again collecting weapons as you go uh yeah, man, if just the powerhouse of the combat for me, again, I know there are those out there that are going to, but probably right now who are just maxing out damage scores and style combos with, with V, but I got the most, when, when I when I slid into Dante's controls, the game just got super easy for me.
1: Yeah, On on the topic of his weapons, did you use the other ones? I ended up actually taking them out of my loadout to where I only had the sword, and then I only had, like, the handgun, shotgun, and rocket launcher.
0: Yeah, okay, so for the weapons, for the uh, ranged weapons, mainly the pistol, and, I mean, even then it was situational you know I, re- I i would throw some bullets in the comp this this i really feel like we should focus on that again for just a bit chris okay. one of the one of the things that people remember fondly Even if you didn't play the damn game, you should have heard about it or seen gameplay or a trailer or something. Was Dante taking this big ass sword and doing a backward swipe forward up motion to where it launches the enemy in the air. And then when the enemy is in the air, he pulls out his two pistols, bang, 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 just infinitely juggling you in the air. Yes, the damage was minimal, but the idea was to use that as combos or follow through. And plus, it was just fucking cool. Mm-hmm. but in devil may cries after that it just you would have to just wail on a fucking enemy and just and pump so many bullets and for them to do the damage you really need to do yeah so yeah mainly ebony and ivory for me but even then i didn't really use ranged weapons that much the melee weapons though as I got them, I spent most pretty much the entire next level using them as they went on. With one exception. But it also that also segues into a love-hate thing about Devil May Cry 5. You fight Cerberus again. Mm -hmm. you fight damn near the same fight with the exception being this time now he's not on his leash anymore Uh, I think in Devil May Cry 3 he was on the chains in the beginning yeah Yeah. this one he comes out like nah man I'm bigger I'm better and I was like okay this is a good callback fight this is awesome Uh, but yeah I've kind of already been here so I'm just going to get this fight over with and move on to the next one you kill Cerberus you get the fucking Cerberus nunchucks again and I was like I'm so happy to have this weapon back because it's so cool, man. That fucking backwards triple fucking roundhouse slam on the ground is so great. But I've already done this before. Mm. You know, I liked it. I was so down for the I was so torn, man. I was, was down for the, the callback. Yeah, that too. That too. Uh, And yeah, I feel like that's also jumping a bit ahead because there's another weapon <laughs> that bears discussion. And I wish I had more experience with it to tell you about it. But when they threw that fucking hat to him and that red scarf went around his neck and <laughs> he started doing Michael fucking Jackson moves, mm-hmm. I slowly look back to my <laughs> wife and she's looking at the screen going, is is he doing what I think he's doing? I was like, Capcom, mm-hmm. you Crazy motherfuckers. So there's a hat you get. It's damn near like a cowboy hat, and it itself is a melee weapon. That it can be used as a range weapon. It that that is that is that is style incarnate. That's all that thing is used for. Uh, and yeah, he fucking has Michael Jackson style moves. Which I don't know how the fuck they got past copyright with that. I don't. I mean, it, it do, Chris is blatant. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. blatantly fucking straight up Michael Jackson thriller music and moves. But I, as, as cool as that's going for, as, as that was, and as obviously style focused as that weapon seems to be geared towards, I didn't use it almost at all. I didn't because, at all. Because, because it costs red orbs Mm -hmm. to use and that was a no-go for me i was trying my best to pretty much grind as much as i could because i wanted to get more combos i wanted to get more versatility with all my characters and i mean i was going through stretches where i would down two or three levels and just save all the orbs and then go, alright, I'm going to spend some now. And I would just upgrade, 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 upgrade. So when you give me a weapon, roughly two-thirds through the game, and you tell me, oh, by the way, using this, the majority of the use of this weapon is going to require you to use to spend your red orbs. I was like, no, thank you.
1: Yeah. And uh, then as, as soon as you upgrade, you touch another character. Yep. yep. So, oh, great. So...
0: Maybe sometime in my future when I do another playthrough, uh, I actually didn't look. Is there a new game plus?
1: Uh, I'd I would imagine. I honest, so. Yeah, honestly, Maybe did not others.
0: look. I, I beat the game and turned the console off. Shame on me. I should have looked into that. But if there is a new game plus, I'm, I'm, sometime in the future, down for going through this game two, three, four times and just getting a fuck ton of red orbs. And once I have done, once I have unlocked everything I want to unlock, and I, ju- I can just spin those willy-nilly, then yes, I would love to see what all this fucking yeah. weapon has to offer. Because, yeah. Uh, and yeah, man, it's just, you just... Again, that's really the best way I can put it. Once I got to play as Dante, the fucking game just went in the, I was I was just back at home. Mm-hmm. Uh i i, I kept sw- switching between Swordmaster and Trickster a lot. I even went in Devil May Cry 3. I rarely used uh uh guard and the other and uh, yeah, the shooting did. one. Uh, yeah.
1: Speaking of switching, did you use the auto thing?
0: Uh, what auto thing?
1: If you hold it's like the R one I think it enables a auto mode and it'll actually switch you between weapons and between uh, oh, swordmaster and trickster. Wasn't that like an option at the beginning yeah. of the game? Well,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, I I picked no. I wanted to manually switch. And you can switch at any time.
1: So and that's yeah. one of the reasons I took the other weapons on my loadout. Because it would switch me from my sword to the stupid melee things and I'm I liked it when because I wanted it to. I wish there was a half mode. <laughs> I liked it <laughs> switching between Swordmaster and Trickster because it would you know switch tr- to Trickster to get me in range again if I press the you know up triangle or whatever it is to move towards them, uh, mm-hmm. and then it would immediately switch back as I'm swinging to do damage to Swordmaster. So I got you know that extra combo stuff. It basically is to help you keep your combo, um, yeah. and I really liked that uh, except for the switching the weapons i don't want to use yeah and again
0: you just want to put this out there i went through that game and i beat it i didn't i have not mastered it i didn't i got i i I didn't even know that you you could get above s apparently you can get double s's and triple s's i never got any of those i think i may have gotten a double accidentally but yeah, you can just like all the Devil May Cries, uh, mainly three and four in DMC. You can link combos to your heart's content, and you, you, the more you do, the more style meter you get. The better off you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did enough to get through that game. I didn't master it. In the future, maybe I will. And I'll, I would, I, I would love to go through that game again. And give all the weapons like a good solid run through just to see how versatile they are but yeah this was just fucking do do what i do the minimal (laughs) maximum maximum impact minimal effort uh so uh i I said we're gonna start with story and i fucking tangent it off on all the characters (laughs) but yeah so the story itself was it it kept me going along Uh, the, the new character, the, the, uh, uh, Nico. Oh, what was her name? The girl in the, in the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. You know, she fits, she fits in there. You know, she is not a lady. She's not a Trish. She, she has her own unique thing. I like the, uh, yeah, that was my grandmother that made those weapons. Mm -hmm. You know, I like that, that I finally figured out. They finally divulged how she plays a part in this, uh, setting up uh what was so we know who the main antagonist turned out to be what what was his name that they called him initially uh,
1: uh i i don't remember <laughs> i
0: i forget yeah well that character okay so as an antagonist having this this towering enemy that just sits mm-hmm. in a throne and just slaps your ass around i like that I like I like the just the pose of him like sitting there with his hand on his fist like so disinterested mm-hmm. and then when they came to attack him it was just you you can't even get past my wall my wall is taking you down much less me and having that progression of having the characters get more powerful and coming back coming back into his house and him have, having to actually get up off his ass and do some shit mm-hmm. all that was all that was done fairly well the reveals like revealing that uh when they all fought in there originally that uh nero stayed i'm sorry dante got away but lady and trish got pretty much transformed into these monsters that was that was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. a nice little way nice way to do things like that uh some questions that you had in this game early on got answered you know like okay well who the fuck is v what are you? Mm-hmm. and they slowly got around to it that v so Virgil split himself in twain, separating the devil from the human, and the human was v so all of his you know walking around with a cane and his deteriorating health all that makes sense. you know he doesn't have the power of the devil there anymore. Uh, so you know, okay, that was pretty interesting. that answered that question. Then it got revealed that Nero. So we've wondered for a while who the fuck Nero is. There's been yeah. a big rumor that he was Dante's son. I mean, they really, they really fucking elbow that in in Devil May Cry Four. He never yeah. says it. He never says you're my son. But he's lots of broad fucking hints that hey, you're in our bloodline. Yeah. You you have a go
1: ahead. There's a point in four where Dante even says something like, you know, it belongs in the family. And mm-hmm. then a few minutes later says, keep it. You're yep. like, oh, okay, so now we're establishing there's some sort of family thing going on here. Yeah. But they never go into it in four. Mm-hmm.
0: And the internet has rang with that for years. You know, this is obvious come on, this is obviously Dante's son. I mean look at him. Look at how he acts. Look at everything else. Yada yada yada. Well, finally gets revealed who the fuck he is in Devil May Cry five. You find out that he is somebody's son. He's Virgil's son. And I love that little banter back and forth where he's like, Yeah, you know, I, I guess you know, you were young once too, right? And I was like, Wow, just Calling your brother out, like, yeah, you fucked somebody and got her pregnant, didn't you, you little shit? Uh, enjoyed their back and forth throughout this game because it's it's been a, it's always been there. You know, when those two get together, they're always fighting for some reason. So, what? Another question is still there for me: Why are they always fighting? Is it just because of the narrative that's been brought about? in Devil May Cry 4 and DMC like are they just always fighting because they just don't like each other is there some predetermined predestined reason why they're always clashing against each other it's important to know why I'd like to know because when the shit hits the fan and they have to come together to kill somebody else they fucking do it mm-hmm. so it's almost like it's just petty civil rivalry the bigger question now that did not get answered that the question that wasn't there well I guess it was there beforehand. When 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 Dante came on this, when Nero came onto the scene in Devil May Cry Four, the obvious question is, well, "Who the fuck is your father?" Since Dante keeps hinting at it, but there's the other question: "Well, who the fuck is your mother?" Mm-hmm. So Devil May Cry Five answered one of those. We know, if everybody's to be believed, that Virgil is Nero's father, but who is the mom? That is a burning question for me right now. But it doesn't get answered. And I don't know if it will ever get answered in this game. Maybe in some DLC. Maybe not. Maybe they're going to hold that out for Devil May Cry 6. Which is going to come sometime. Because while this story did get wrapped up. There's still more questions out there. Yeah. So
1: There's always something else they can do anyway. Even, you know, like you said, the story gets wrapped up. It's kind of been that way in all the games, you know, that's, they're almost basically standalone games, especially with them being out of order like they are.
0: Yep. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I mean, if you're asking me for my opinion, the you know, revealing a brand new character in this game and then dismissing him, I'm not, not a big fan of you know I already had to deal with you know here's a new guy what are you all about I yeah. don't care about you oh actually you're pretty awesome to you're going, goodbye not saying that he won't be back in a future one for whatever Deus they mock a reason but as far as it stands now yeah he's goodbye V it was fun with you while it lasted
1: I wonder if they did uh, that because they weren't sure what kind of reception he would get
0: yeah could be it could be. I tell you, they did a pretty good job of keeping it on wraps, though, because I knew nothing about that mm. until it started getting... It was very late in the cycle when I had that slightly spoiled, too. So, yeah, good on you, Capcom. Uh, again, yeah, I'd recommend it, man. It was a fun game. It was entertaining. I came home to it every afternoon. It took me about a week and a half of afternoons and, and a weekend or two of playing it. Uh, I didn't. Ha- I didn't have a strong drive to just barrel back into it. Only because, again, of all these games so far, Devil May Cry three has the biggest chunk of my heart, and I really feel if I want to play one, I'd probably go play that one again. But for everything that Devil May Cry five brought to the table, yeah, it's good. It was, it was good.
1: Oh yeah, I enjoyed
0: it. Uh, any other parting words for Devil May Cry five, Chris? You think that's it?
1: No, that's it. All right.
0: So, on to the topic of this episode. Uh, a little bit behind on this one, but that's okay. It's totally fine. We're not on a time limit around here. We're, we're going to do the End of Time cast Game of the Year for 1996. Uh, for those that want to catch up, if you know this happens to be your first episode, that's okay. You can go back... Uh, I had it pulled up. What a guy I episode am! Episode
1: seventy-five.
0: Episode seventy-five. Thank you. Yeah, you can go back to episode seventy-five of the End of Time podcast, and uh, you'll hear our review of nineteen ninety-six. So, so what this is? This has been a recurring, uh, I guess you'd say, session uh, or series for our podcast. Uh, we go. We've been trying to go through every year of gaming. And highlight, f- one episode will highlight what we th- consider to be either highlights of the year as far as the gaming world is concerned, consoles, magazines, news, companies, games primarily, and just highlight stuff that went on during that year. And then a few episodes after that, we will have our little small, nowhere near as grand as Giant Bomb or uh, end of time, uh, Easy Allies like Hall of Greats, but we do our own little, uh, Back and forth of what we do, what we deem is our combined end of time cast, not individual, end of time cast uh, vote for a game of the year for that year. The idea is going to be that as we progress through this podcast, we're going to be caught up and then we will, as the years actually end out, we will have our own uh, game of the year. So we're just doing a lot of catch up between then and now. Uh, if you don't hear a news event or a console or a uh, game, especially a game, get nominated or talked about during the game of the uh, the uh, year in review, it's just, it's either one. We don't feel it had a big enough impact, but the real reason is we probably didn't play it. It's just that simple, and that gets carried over into game of the year. So as we go through this episode today, you don't hear a game that you feel is your game of the year. It's nothing against it. It's either we don't feel it is, or we haven't played it. So this will be a deliberation between Chris and I. Uh, I guess I should mention, if for those that didn't hear the last episode or two, uh, Adam's going to be kind of out of pocket for who knows how many episodes again. Unfortunately, just his schedule just is not letting him uh record as much as he wants to and we only have a couple nights we can actually record so uh you may hear him jump in every now and again but until he gets into a situation where he can record pretty much on schedule on our recording nights he's gonna be out of pocket for a while but that's okay me and chris are here we got this shit uh so again especially for this uh in a time cast game of the year episode for those that aren't familiar with the actual format. uh, So we've already had our year in review. We've already gone through that part, and we've talked about what we consider to be highlights of the year. And of course, this being a game of the year episode, we're going to be talking primarily and only about games. And what we're going to do is, it's going to be kind of short for this year, Chris. I don't know about you, man. uh, (laughs) uh, We're going to... We're going to just put a game on a list anywhere. And it's not a physical list you guys and gals can see. It's something we're doing on our end. I'm just going to throw a game out there. And then we're going to look at nominees one by one. And we're just going to decide whether we feel these nominees are better or worse than the game we've just talked about. Where we think they fit. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. And then we'll have our discussions throughout as we go. So uh yeah, so I went through and tried to figure out how how many we had, and I I'll tell you, Chris, I've got uh six on here. So okay. um Yeah. You didn't update the <laughs> spreadsheet. Uh well I I kind of got myself confused and I thought I was keeping my personal top three to the side, but Uh, I just now remembered as I was telling the audience how we do this that (laughs) we just have them there and we'll just duke it out so I am going to as fast as my internet will allow me because much like streaming games uh, your internet (laughs) may determine how you do that so I'll put all mine here on our spreadsheet and again audience you can't see them but that's you know it's fine. So, yeah, we're going to throw out these games in no particular order. Uh, I guess I'll just start first, Chris. I'm just going to hover around and pick. All right. Jesus Christ. Uh, Mega Man 8. All right. So, I do feel the Mega Man 8 is going on this list. Uh, I'm just going to put it down here in the middle somewhere. So, I feel... And, okay... I did not put Mega Man 8 on this list to, to, to be a contrarian. Let's go ahead and make that understood <laughs> right off the bat. Because I know full well this game gets so much hatred. It does. And honestly, I think it, it gets hatred because... Honestly, I think it's solely just because of the voice acting. This game has some very meme-worthy voice acting and that's gone... I mean, people have taken that to the nth degree... If I'm looking at Mega Man 8, this is another one of those uh, incidents. incidents. Just like uh, V, I I can draw a straight parallel. When I saw the art design and the game design of Mega Man 8, just from from screenshots and video play uh, back in the day, I was not feeling it. This is a newer, updated, uh, almost, I want to say cartoonier, but that's not exactly correct just going from mega like mega man 6 to this style of mega man uh, full uh, just so y'all know I didn't I played mega man 8 first I didn't play mega man 7 till way after so I feel like if I would have played mega man 7 and then played mega man 8 I would have had that transition but mega man 8 was my first of that style I really feel that mega man 7 and mega man 8 kind of look the same his jump animation kind of feels the same it's and just the the, the total design of those two games are very similar to each other. Uh the music is 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 a different style of music compared to what Mega Man's known for. And, you know, I get it. If you stacked Mega Man 8 up against Mega Man 1 through 6, I get it. It's a departure. The voice acting is not that great. I get it. But it's always been charming to me. This has been one of those games that the voice acting is bad, but I never cared because I just, I, I liked Mega Man's voice in this. I liked Wily's voice. I, I liked it. I'm not saying that to be a contrarian. I promise you I'm not. Because if I don't like voice acting, you will fucking know. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at you, Tales of uh, Symphonia, where I turned your voice completely off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the charm of Mega Man 8 has never been lost to me I'll make this real simple for you audience with the exception of Mega Man X8 only because I have not played that all the way through if you want to know my top Mega Man games they are in that order Mega Man 4 Mega Man 8 Mega Man X4 just like that all the four all the the, the four multiples <laughs> are, 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 are up my alley Mega Man 8's always been charming to me for all the reasons. Uh, I mean, look, I'm that guy that when I I, I, I made a, a big spiel about this in one of our episodes about how when, they, when you take a game from Japan and bring it to, over to America and they bring the voice acting over, for some reason they add way more words and enunciations and exclamations. Like they can't, America can't shut up when it dubs things over. I don't know why, they just can't. And, yeah, I liked Mega Man's voice in this. I liked when he jumped, the sound effects he makes. And when he throws out his weapons, he says the he says the weapons and all that stuff. For whatever reason, the charm of 8 has always been something I enjoyed. So, the fact that it came out this year, uh, I picked this as a nominee for Game of the Year. Do I feel it's going to make it? I don't know. Well, that's what our debating is for today. So uh yeah, Chris, you're up.
1: Alright. So let's immediately crush that with uh let's go for something different. Twisted metal too.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Uh mmm okay. So you picked it as a nominee, so let's mm-hmm. let's hear it.
1: I mean, this is one of the classic PlayStation games uh, back then. Uh, So many endings, all the vehicles, all the different, uh, you know, the things that come with those, their abilities, uh, special, you know, things about them, uh, the storytelling in the game. And it was just fun to play Uh, single player, multiplayer, whatever um lots of time spent on that game oh yeah
0: yeah definitely a nominee for game of the year man <laughs> definitely a i mean this is a this is a console must if you really want to know my opinion on the matter mm-hmm. uh there are many twisted metals i think four total came out for the PlayStation 1 i think five and black and if there was a five i think i know black was a PlayStation 2 title and there have been other Twisted Metals around, but for for my... I've played all of them on PlayStation 1. My, I think my order was like 2, and then 3, and then 1, and 4. I had some crazy order. For whatever reason, I, I'll tell you, Chris, I honestly feel like it's mainly Calypso. <laughs> like all these Twisted Metals pretty much have as far as gameplay is concerned mm-hmm. I mean they're all around about the same just with different flavoring right. you know you're in vehicles excuse me the vehicles have their own weapons their own theme so to speak and you may have different vehicles with different weapons true enough but that's the idea it's car combat Right. but when I look at the way the story is delivered to us in Twisted Metal One and Four and uh, Three and Four, the that version of Calypso, the voiceover, the the cell shaded slash comic book look to it, just fits for me more than any of these other ones ever did uh yeah definitely a fun game fun single player fun multiplayer i can't tell you how many times i went through this game level after level over and over and over again i i beat every stage as every character two to three times more than that for the characters that i really enjoyed like uh grasshopper was one of my favorite picks because of her speed and her agility uh but yeah Fun, just, mm-hmm. just definitely fun. I as well would put it on this list. Now, would I put it above Mega Man Eight? I
1: hmm. haven't played Eight, so I would.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, so Twisted Metal Two. All right, so I, I'm I'm gonna have to get nitpicky with this. Honestly, right. I mean it's going up. It's going up against a. A prime picked Mega Man for me. Uh, So, Twisted Metal 2 has, I want to say, seven or eight levels total. Mega Man 8 already has eight levels, plus the three to four Wily levels. Uh, I was going to throw out the underhook that, you know, well, Mega Man 8 also sets itself apart because some of the levels have branching paths where you can go like up or down instead of just straight forward. However, Twisted Metal 2 has many stages that have extras. Uh, like when you're in Paris, you can shoot down the Eiffel Tower. You know, when you're mm-hmm. when you're in the, the uh, New York stage, you can shoot down the Statue of Liberty. So it has little extras, little hidden things as well. Uh, you only can play as Mega Man but you can, with multiple weapons, but you can play as multiple vehicles in Twisted Metal with mm-hmm. each having their own individual weapon. There is multiplayer in Twisted Metal Eight, uh, Twisted Metal 2. There's no multiplayer in Mega Man 8.
1: Multiple endings.
0: Mm, multiple endings. Man. And honestly, Chris, if I'm looking at these two and going, all right, well, which one did you play more? I feel like I've went through eight multiple times, and I've also went through Twisted Metal 2 multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> if I had to play one right now, my god, our favorite go to argument, isn't hmm. it? Our 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 last ditch effort of what would I what would I play right now? I'm I'm gonna backdoor you this way, Chris. If okay. I still have access to my other Mega Man games, <laughs> then I will put Twisted Metal 2 over Mega Man 8. I'm I'm okay with doing that. I cannot nor will I deny the fun and the charm that I've had with Twisted Metal 2. I mean, mm-hmm. I still sell Twisted Metal 2 to people today. I will go show them, hey, did you ever hear about Twisted Metal 2 and like all the different endings? Like, you have this guy that he's basically the devil and you want to play the tournament and win because you get your wish. But, ah, be careful what you wish for. There's lots of cool endings. Here, let me show you some of these endings. And, yeah, I I don't really do stuff like that with Mega Man 8. I feel like anytime I talk to anybody about Mega Man 8 that knows Mega Mega man games I have to like defend Mega Man 8 you know <laughs> so uh I just want it understood this is not a oh yeah hands down no I've had lots of fun with both of these but yeah I can totally understand especially with the multiplayer aspect being there uh, I would put twist metal 2 slightly above Mega Man 8. Uh, all right next one i'm just gonna fucking do to do to do, do, do wait let me get rid of that one since that's on the list uh bam what am i on uh just middle two is also on the list
1: oh we got the consolidated list right next to oh it. okay yeah you got it all right uh i do all this okay. work the audience and he just bypasses it completely
0: resonant Evil. Uh, I mean, if I could have my choice, I'd really just rather them come off the consolidated list instead of being highlighted. That way, I can't pick them again. But it doesn't matter. I'll I'll just go to something else. Uh. All right, let's do this. Resident Evil. All right. Uh, kind of funny that. Uh, or a fun fact. Uh, the the the. Ever listener of the End of Time cast will know this already, but Resident Evil 1 and Twisted Metal 2 were two of the first PlayStation games I ever played. Now, I say that loosely, I did play Battle Arena Toshin down at Andy's house a little bit. Didn't know what the fuck I was doing though. <laughs> so, I've, I had played a couple other random PlayStation games, but these. These games, as in, I had a PlayStation in my home and was actively playing it, and this was definitely one of them. Uh, I feel not only as a franchise starter, but this game has weight to it. I will, I will admit that yes, in a vacuum, this game has not aged well at all. No, sorry, outside of a vacuum, uh, it has the it has old archaic tank controls <laughs> uh it, it, if you really want to be that nitpicky yes it also suffers from uh, bad voice acting bad poorly written lines period uh, what few uh movie cutscenes in it were very cheaply done i mean this game was made from what i understand from the the company as it was back in the day capcom uh made on a pretty shoestring budget I didn't realize that because the game was just so much fun to me. I honestly didn't care, but yes, I can understand looking at it now it's it's uh it's kind of cheapish all that aside though As far as starting the franchise off and having facets For what the future titles did and should have been known for. Oh, yeah, you know you've got puzzle solving you have uh you know, you have to go around and collect items and go find where the the items belong to. You have, of course, you have the combat. You know, you're shooting zombies. You're you're trying to get away. You have, uh, depending on what you, what difficulty you play, as you have slightly limited uh, uh, resources to manage. Fixed camera angles, which again, that's an archaic thing. I get it, but it added to the horror of it so to speak it added to the intensity because you you could dodge one enemy and then go around a corner and there's one right there in front of you instead of running forward maybe you should have took your time but you didn't know that because you couldn't see it Mm. uh the story honestly the story was pretty good i mean i'll give the story credit where it's due you know having the 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 turn where yeah barry was actually working against you the whole time but his hand was forced. Yeah, I get that. The fact of Umbrella being this corporation that had, you know, this secret lab underneath this mansion, like all that. Okay. Good. Um Yeah, definitely for this year 1996, I feel like Resident Evil belongs somewhere on this list.
1: Yeah, the looking at it even back then, the the tank controls are what killed uh, Resident Evil for me. Um, I played mm-hmm. it some. I never beat it, but the controls were just a huge hurdle that just was frustrating. Um, I enjoyed what I played of it, but the controls just killed it for me. So,
0: in your when did you play this game? Did you play it around the time of release? Did oh you yeah, when it like... is no. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I get it, and that would be a. Uh, it's hard for you to say where you would put it. Well, it's hard for you to say what you think of it today, because again, if you didn't like tank controls back then, <laughs> you're you're definitely not gonna like it now. Mm. Um. as far as where I would put it I mean this will make it easier for you Chris I'd put it below Mega Man 8 I, I do enjoy it I do like it I have played through Resident Evil 1 multiple times on multiple What I've done everything you could do in Resident Evil but I would one I would most definitely put Resident Evil 2 over Resident Evil 1 mm-hmm. and also if you put these two in front of me right now I'm playing Mega Man 8 hands sure. down and same thing with Just Metal 2, so... Um, just for it to at least get nominated, I'm cool with that. Yeah, so. works for me. Yep, so down here you go, Mega, uh, Resident Evil. Below Mega Man 8. All right, what's next?
1: All right, uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, let's... Mm, sure. Mario Kart 64.
0: Oh, boy. What a fun game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this Mario Kart 64 was uh, my first Mario Kart. Um, I didn't play the older one until much later, and not much of it anyway. Because why would Mm -hmm. I when I had 64? Um, Right. (laughs) But... I mean, everybody knows Mario Kart. Racing, weapons, uh, pissing off your friends, you know. Mm-hmm. So much fun. Um, yep. For me, this is probably going to the top of the list. Um, as much as I enjoy Twisted Metal 2, Mario Kart just has that everlasting appeal to it. You can play mm-hmm. it forever. Uh, yeah, and what... Man what a
0: change from Mario from the Super Nintendo Mario Kart you know I mean gone is the the idea of the more coins you pick up the faster you yeah. go you know uh, the 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 visuals look different I mean of course it's on the 64 <laughs> yeah but man I can't I don't know if it's just because I was in my m- mid to early teens. If it was because I mainly played this game when I visited my grandmother and had uh, the uh, her, her neighbors come over and it was like a, a finally a, a group play experience. but it was it was Star Fox, Goldeneye, and this, and that was our multiplayer function for a long time. And I mean, yeah, you can race against each other on the actual racing levels but there were battle levels mm-hmm. where you know you had to shoot each other with whatever you had to everybody had 3 balloons and you had to get rid of those 3 balloons however you however you could and there were only 4 stages if i remember right only 4 yeah i believe so yeah and c- countless hours man countless months of playing this one game and those 4 levels mm-hmm. that says a lot now, I've, there have been a lot of Mario Karts down the road. Yeah. I have played Mario Kart Double Dash a little bit less than, but pretty close to equal amount of time. Uh, and the rest, just because I didn't have the console or the game, the, the rest kind of fell off. But Mario Kart 64, oh, man. Good game and lots of fond memories. I have no problem admitting that a lot of my f- uh f- a a lot of me putting this game on this list was nostalgia alone. It's just it just has a place in my heart and memories, man.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, as far as where I would put it, whew. all right. So yeah, above above Resident Evil. Mm. Uh, that's a toughie. It's really a toughie. Uh, Would I put it above Mega Man Eight? You know what? As as the pure so Mega Man Eight offered a lot of the standard Mega Man fun for me, and that that's a pretty high unmovable bar for me. But as far as like pure joy and the the getting up out of my seat moments and having friends over and shouting at each other and all that stuff, that level of fun multiplied over many, many playthroughs. Yeah, I would say Mario Kart 64 edges out over Mega Man 8. Now, Mario Kart 64 versus Twisted Metal. I'm going to let you shoot from the hip first on this one, Chris.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would totally put it above uh, Twisted Metal just because it... I feel like as much as uh, replayability that Twisted Metal 2 had with all the endings, you know, the multiplayer, comparing multiplayer to multiplayer, Mario Kart 64 probably would take it for me. Um, Just in the... It was... I don't know it it was more fun to repeat uh Twist yeah. Metal 2 multiplayer fun for a bit and then you move on uh, in comparison
0: yeah yeah I played a I played a good bit of Twist Metal 2 multiplayer uh, but I would make up I, I mean I would wake somebody up at night to play Mario Kart 64 multiplayer I mean I would I would make it a, I would rent that console and get that game just to make that happen. That much. That kind of dedication. That kind of fun. And that amount of memories. I mean, all around. I think, deservedly, Mario Kart 64 can go above Twisted Metal 2. <sighs> yeah. Alright. So, I'm going to go outside of my norm. And okay. I'm going to pick one that I, I did not nominate. I don't have a coin to flip, so I'm just going to (laughs) pick one. Let's go Pokemon Red and Blue. Alright. So, Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, I did not nominate this. Uh, I have played through Pokemon Blue. And then later, I played through Pokemon Yellow. And that's pretty much where my Pokemon life stopped. Except for Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Snap. And recently, uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee that's about it for my pokemon uh knowledge Mm -hmm. uh to tell you the truth i mean uh, okay the the impact of pokemon is not lost on me at all uh if we're talking game of the year or uh a year in review should Pokemon be nominated or be brought up? Well, of course. This was the beginnings. The, I, this was the beginning, if i not mistaken. Because I think Pokemon Yellow came later, later, correct? Yes. Yeah, Red and Blue was... They were the first. Yep. OG Pokemon. It all started right here.
1: The very beginning.
0: Yeah. For that, yes. Now, I'm going to make enemies. And that's fine. I get it. I'm an asshole. Uh while i did play through pokemon uh, blue and while i did play through pokemon yellow uh i didn't play anymore after that uh i think in yellow as much as i possibly can i got every pokemon i think yellow i try to max out everything and do everything i could i try to get every pokemon and mm-hmm. beat every gym and just do everything i possibly could aside if uh, and forgive me i don't remember. I don't remember if yellow had Pokemon as well that you had to like link cable and swap between people like red and blue did. If it did, I didn't do any of that. Uh, Blue, I went through and also didn't trade Pokemon because I just didn't have anybody around me I could trade Pokemon with. Mm -hmm. So whatever Pokemon were available in blue, that's all I got. I'm saying all this because even with a game that I made sure to try to go through and do everything possible once I made it through Pokemon yellow and caught them all that I could catch and beat the story that was pretty much it I mean I dropped it not out of hatred I was just like all right I'm done and I moved on with life entirety uh, I did not come back to any of these games ever again they did not the the charm of these did not bowl me over and never have to the likes of, you know, Mario or Zelda or uh any any other franchise like that. So I I agree that Pokemon red and blue are great to the franchise. To me, they were just playthroughs. So
1: sure yeah, show Chris. I, I uh I played blue and yellow as well, but uh blue in particular talking about here i played the uh the first two pokemon games and i i don't remember how much i played yellow in comparison but i know i played a lot of blue um i think yellow i played more once the game boy color came out because it was more it was compatible with it more had more options or whatever it was Uh, but i played the pokemon games until my the new game boys didn't support them uh Whatever the smaller game boy was, not the pocket, but the one after that because I didn't have a pocket. Um, until it stopped being compatible, I played the game because it was fun to uh, you know I, I beat it a long you know, I say a long time very short into you know having the game. It was the collecting the just running around leveling doing all that that really uh, gave it the life. Um, and yeah just expanded on there and now we have the behemoth we have the day with Pokemon um, where I'd put it on the list I'm not actually sure because um, I would I would put it above Resident Evil for me personally and Mega Man 8 I didn't play so you know that's kind of tough but obviously I would put it above it but I'm not entirely sure where I would put it on the list. Uh, as a Yeah, whole.
0: it's gonna be tough, man, because I didn't nominate it, and mm. you did, and I wouldn't even put it. I wouldn't even put it above. It's just, that's tough to say, man. Like I said, I only played through Blue one time. I have played through Resident Evil One. If I had to guess, somewhere in the neighborhood of nine or ten times. Uh, so obviously that game had way more appeal to me, and of course, I mean, Mega Man, Chosen Metal, Mario Kart, yeah. Uh, if I had to vote because of just my experience and, and where I would put it, I would put it below Resident Evil. I don't mind it being on the list of nominees, but, uh, at the bottom is where I feel it belongs for now. I'll allow it. Okay. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Pokemon is a uh, garbage game. <laughs> um, on that note, you're up.
1: Alright. So I'll follow suit and pick a game that I didn't nominate. Um, Super Mario RPG. Alright. Yes. <laughs> I uh, The only experience I have with Super Mario RPG and I I believe it's on the classic so I can play it now. But Mm -hmm. my only experience with it was back in middle school, I managed to get it from somewhere, you know, emulator uh, and ROM and put it on one of the school computers. And I would actually play it in my computer class. So I never made a lot of progress because you know I had a little bit of time with it. But that was the only uh, interaction I had with the game. So I never beat it. I don't remember anything about this one because that was, you know, forever ago. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't really know. Well,
0: I definitely have experience with this game. I've, I've been through the entirety of my RPG Which, I mean, we're talking full classic uh, 90s era RPGs, so, you know, 50, 60, 80, whatever hours. Uh, Let's hit the nostalgic point right off the bat. This is also another one from my early to mid-teenage years, visiting my grandmother. Uh, I, I guess I just had not... Okay, again, I didn't have many magazine subscriptions. I mean, you, the internet wasn't thriving back then. So, game news wasn't really a thing in my life. My gaming news was word of mouth. You know, having friends or schoolmates or classmates talk about new games that they heard were coming out or, that, or mainly that they were playing. I mean, even word around the block news didn't really, it just didn't impact me. It wasn't in my life. So I remember being, you know, visiting my grandmother one summer or one Easter or one. She just came and got me. Who knows? And going to one of the two video game rental places I went to and seeing my RPG on the shelf. And just the 3D artwork on the box alone was like, well, this is new. And then turning it over and seeing that. Or, or wherever I figured it out that this is, this is Squaresoft and Nintendo coming together, making an RPG. And I was like, alright, you know, Mario in, in an RPG? Yeah, sure, I guess it could work somehow. I don't recognize many of these characters, but yeah, sure, I'll try it. And then that was it. Like, done. Took that thing <laughs> home. And from the opening intro little movie clip to this game, was already hooked. Um... This is how you do companies merging. This is what... I mean, Kingdom Hearts has just veered off the fucking path of this right here. This is a RPG toned down. Like, not not the Grandoise uh, style of, of Final Fantasy. And not the super convoluted story of Xenogears. But a genuine RPG with plot development and character development and curiosity and intrigue and and big bad villains and and uh fleshed out side characters and all that all that rpg goodness just toned down not in a difficulty way not in a maturity way but more of just a just we're trying to narrow in on the charm way and they nailed it in my opinion It's that RPG with Mario themes mixed in, properly mixed in. They fit in, they fit into the narrative of Mario while having all these other new characters involved in, uh, involved with him uh the side char- the 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 uh, the new characters you get into your party they're explained they have their own interesting story and narrative the classic characters from the Mario franchise are here they have their reasons explained for what's going on you know like Bowser's a good example he gets kicked out of his own fucking castle thanks to all this shit <laughs> and you are slowly progressively working your way to get back into the castle and figure out what's really going on uh Gino brand new character i love how they brought him in i love his development i love his play he has a solid place in the story mallow same way uh the extra characters you run into the npcs you run into throughout the game all charming all fit all have a reason all have a story uh a good example is uh uh, uh booster he has his own little tower he's just this this eccentric this eccentric guy that just has his tower full of toys and stuff, and it's just it all fits, man. And if you really want to go above and beyond, there's a secret boss in there that's straight out of a Final Fantasy themed game. Uh QLEX is his name. Um and that's all of that. Now we get to talk about the music of the game. All themed, all catchy, all memorable. All of it. All the music was on point. All the sound effects. Mixing between new sound effects for new characters. And old classic uh, sound effects that you already know. Like Mario's jumping and uh, fireballs being thrown out. All that stuff. All there. Uh, The battle system this game brought in. I do not know if... Or I, I don't remember. I think somebody already did analysis on this. And I just forgot. But I don't know if... Mario RPG was the first, but for me, it was the first game of having uh, battle actions in the combat. Uh, for example, Mario, when you use his jump attack, he would he would have a menu style like, like all the classic RPGs where you had to select attack or spell or item or whatever. So you could select a tag, you could select his jump ability, and then he would jump in the air. And right when he would land on an enemy, if you press your A button at the right time, he would jump back up in the air. And when he lands, you can do it again, and again, and again. That mentality is for every character's moves all around the horn. Every character's moves has some type of, if you manipulate to controls or do what we tell you to, then you can do more damage. You can also evade enemies' attacks or take less damage from doing the same thing. Uh, they all level up like a standard RPG. You get more abilities over time. Your stats go up just like an RPG. A funny, uh, a cool thing about this one uh, and other Mario RPGs have done stuff like this just to varying degrees but when you level up you can basically pick an attribute that you can level up so you can get more hit points or your attack can go up or your power can go up or whatever and that's been carried across throughout the series uh, yeah man and the ending theme of this game is great the story leading up to the ending is great. The, all the boss areas, I mean, all all the or all the the towns and the the locale the locales you visit. This game is a, I mean, a fucking solid RPG. Mm-hmm. Well, well beyond what people thought it was going to be, and definitely well beyond what I thought it was going to be because I didn't know the fucking thing existed. <laughs> and it has held up extraordinarily well, even to this day. So, I do recommend you play it, Chris. No matter what you play it on, mm-hmm. I think I think you'll enjoy it. And especially being an RPG connoisseur as you are, I'm sure that this will be up your alley. Yeah. Uh, as far as where would I put it? Yeah, above Pokemon. Yes, above Resident Evil. Yes, above Mega Man Eight. Yes, above Twisted Metal Two. Man. Mm. <laughs> oh boy I mean my my gut reaction to saying yes this goes above Mario RPG I have done I have gotten more multiplayer and more total gameplay time out of Mario Kart 64 but I mean we're talking about especially like length of the game there's so much to do and see and find in Mario RPG. Mm-hmm. On top of it being a standard, you know, fifty to eighty hour RPG. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I got to (laughs) can't Mario RPG has to go above Mario Kart sixty four. It has to. It's not saying that Mario Kart sixty four is bad at all. It's just that's just yeah. The RPG Golden Glove came out and just yeah KO'd that shit.
1: And as the audience should know by now. It's an RPG. It's going to be high on the list.
0: (laughs) Yep. So, and we've only got a few left, so just so the audience, you know, so you don't have to keep a pen and pad out and write this shit down. So starting from the bottom, what we have so far, we have Pokemon Red and Blue, and then we have Resident Evil, Mega Man 8, Twisted Metal 2, Mario Kart 64, and currently the top on the list is Super Mario RPG. Uh, and Chris, you picked that one, right? Yeah. As far as... Uh, all right. All right. Well, I'm going to do it the right way this time, because I feel like we both have our sluggers here. I'm going to pick my nominee for Mario 64. All right. Um, man. I did know about Super Mario 64 ahead of time, <laughs> but even so, knowing about it... Uh, seeing seeing magazine articles, or e- if you were extremely lucky, getting one of those uh, Nintendo 64 demo VHS tapes and seeing it <laughs> is one thing. What a thing to uh, say. <laughs> yeah. it th- That is one thing to see this game in action. It's one thing to see it and see words written about it and see pictures of it in a magazine and have your mind Trying to slowly wrap around true 3D movement. Uh, And remember, I had a little bit of 3D knowledge because, of course, arcade games had tons of 3D fighters. Battlery Natoshi and Nen for the PlayStation also has 3D models Mm -hmm. and some 3D movement. So, yeah, this was not a new, new thing to me. But playing... A platformer slash adventure style game like Mario. Taking Mario from the last one that I knew him in, like Mario Super Mario World or Yoshi's Island, and going to a 3D control Mario. Yeah. It's one thing to see all that other shit. It's another to have that game in your hand and play it. Uh a, a masterwork of a 3D platformer back over two decades ago Mm. i mean this is this is man i really i I got a little twinge i got just a little twinge of the old when i heard myself say that not one decade (laughs) over two decades ago yes this game came out 23 years ago Mm -hmm. uh I'm always a sucker for platformers, period. I'm definitely a sucker for anything Nintendo. And, of course, I'm a sucker for Mario. So, all this has a has, a, has a, a lot going in its favor. But, still, at that age, that time in my life, wrapping my head around going from left to right only, and up and down only, to all 3D movement was so new to me. Mm-hmm. And i really want to focus on that for just this hot second because that's something that we take for granted today because it's fucking everywhere 3d games are like yeah duh what else would it be you know oh yo uh, side scrollers yeah there's a genre of that now uh, side scrollers are the og for most cases but we evolved we have now come to where so many games are are a a solid mix you have a lot of 2D side scrollers and you have a lot of 3D platformers it's just it works that way Mm -hmm. and again in that time this, this time of my life just trying to wrap my head around having this one stick that can make Mario move like how does this work how does the jumping work how do I how do I save myself from falling is it if I jump forward am I am I relegated to that forward movement can I back up at all uh, what's, what are these other movements I can duck I can backflip. Like, what what is all this I'm used to jumping up in the air and, and butt stomping at the most you know mm-hmm. and then you get that game and you put that controller in your hands and you just go and nintendo's got you i mean the controls in this game are so tight so awesome still hold up so well to this day it's so it puts you at ease so fast uh, everything feels intuitive they give you little tips to teach you how to do all the other things like double jumping and triple jumping or triple flip jumping uh, I mean even the water controls you have air so you have to go up for air sure enough but the water controls were, were were fine I mean they weren't the best but they were very doable for a 3d space sure. uh, I think the I think I think controlling the camera, Underwater was more of the hassle than the actual swimming.
1: Yeah, the camera was the worst part in general.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it had digital movement. You know, you didn't have free flowing camera. And again, we've evolved. You know, we now have an entire stick dedicated to a camera today, where back then it was just digital. You know, swinging around. Uh, yeah. It could put you in this small little hub world that still felt so big. Just like Ocarina of Time, man. Nintendo had a way of doing that, of making things feel bigger than they really were. I mean, if you look at the court the courtyard of Mario 64, mm-hmm. and then you get into the castle, and then you go underneath it, and you go into the clock, that, like down the stairs to the clock area, it can feel pretty big. In reality, not that big, especially when you get into a level And the levels are fairly large and sprawling Mm -hmm. and expansive. Uh, The the
1: open worldness of the levels, too. Right, having all the different stars, and sure you'd have often, you know, like one primary when you're going for, but then everything else unlocked after that. Um, And you could choose how many of them you want to get in that level. You get tired of a level, as long as you got one or two, you probably unlock something else, and you just Mm -hmm. go play that. Um, so much to do.
0: Lots of open-ended gameplay. The different hats you can get. I mean, you get one hat that turns into a Metal Mario, which means now you're pretty much invincible, and you can go underwater without having to swim. You're just walking across the floor. Slowly, Mm -hmm. but you're doing it. But... You get one that lets you turn invisible, lets you phase through certain walls. and uh, Let's be real here, though. If there's one hat to talk about, it's the hat that blew everybody away, and that's the winged cap Mario. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get this thing, you do enough jumps in the air, and you fly through the air as Mario. Again, 3D movement like you did not expect to have. 3D movement that felt good and natural and flowed. Um... Flying for Mario is nothing new at this point. I mean, in Mario 3, you got a tail as a raccoon and you could float around. You could fly up and then float down. In Mario's Super Mario World, you had a cape. You could fly up and you could bound and bounce. That almost that same mentality is what went into the flying controls in Mario 64. You would, you would soar down and you'd pull up on the stick and he would fly up into the air and he'd go, wahoo! I mean, it's. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, 120 stars I believe is the maximum. So that's mm-hmm. 120 different tasks for you to do. Yes, some of them do repeat in practice, like you like finding all of the uh, the red, red coins. coins. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every level has a red coin area, but you still have to find the red coins. And I mean, they're different levels, so there's different places to explore to find them.
1: Yep, different mechanics.
0: Mm -hmm. uh and yeah again still holds up to this day man solid solid game just the wow factor of going into 3d world them uh, with the small caveat of the digital control and when i say digital i mean like let's imagine the cameras behind mario because it is it's third person not first person uh if the camera's behind Mario, you could push the C-stick right or left, and it would rotate the camera around, like, we'll say, like, like 45 degrees, and it rotate around again and again. That's how you control the camera. Now, a majority of the time, the game controlled the camera for you, and yeah. it was fairly, fairly good about putting it where you needed to be. I don't remember too many times where the camera was in a place that just fucked me over. I... I do remember times like that in Mario Sunshine, but not so much Mario 64.
1: Yeah, I think most of the time you move the camera around in 64, it'd be looking around for secrets and stuff like right. that.
0: Right, which you wanted to do, because again, it's 120 stars to play with, so yeah, you there's a lot of exploring in all of these levels. Uh so yeah, Chris, man, come on. There's there's no doubt that Mario 64 goes on this list. Now the question is where do we put it? I'll tell you now right at the back, Chris. We can put this somewhere in the middle. Uh immediately no problem. Um Yeah, above Mega Man 8. Yeah, above Twisted Metal 2. Mm-hmm. Yes, above Mario 60
1: Kart 64. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Mario yeah. <laughs> 64, Super Mario 64 is probably the most fun I've had playing a game, at least back then. I'd have to think about it further, but maybe ever. Uh, the most fun playing a single player game with friends. Mm hmm. So, just comparing it with Mario Kart, it's like a straight-up comparison, you know. That was one of the games we played. Uh, You Mm -hmm. mentioned your trifecta of Star Fox, uh, Mario Kart, and GoldenEye. Uh, We had uh, Mario Kart, Perfect Dark, um, and Super Mario 64. Jet
0: Force Gemini. Oh,
1: Uh, (laughs) Those were, you know, our big three. So you had Uh a game that wasn't even multiplayer that we would play together, you know, just watching each other play, taking turns, because it was that good. Right. Yeah. um,
0: Yeah, the bigger question now comes to, honestly, where the real debate is for this list. Mario 64 above or below Mario RPG. Uh... Believe it or not, I'm going to put it above Mario 64. Because while... Uh, this is the first grasping at a straw reason why I would say that. Uh, with Mario 64, there are 120 different things for you to accomplish. And while I guess if you laid the map out, there may be you know 70 or 80 things to accomplish in mario rpg Mm uh and both of them have charm both of them have memorable music both of them have a memorable level design uh mario 64 obviously took 3d to a literally to a new level it was actual 3D. You know, it wasn't 2.5. You know, 3D visuals. It was 3D visuals and movement. And while there is a lot to do in Mario RPG, and while all of that stuff, especially in an RPG sense, fits everything in the bill, damn near flawlessly, I I I feel like I'd play Mario Sixty Four right now. I yeah. really do. Uh, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to say, it's hard to explain, but I feel it edges out over Mario RPG. But again, as we've said before, many times, you got to remember folks, we're getting to the top of this list. We're, we're on a list of picking our considerations for game of the year, period. Any one of these games are worth playing through in our opinion but if the end of time cast has to come together and make a decision what what we feel is better than the other this has to be done so yeah yeah i feel i feel mario 64 reigns out over mario rpg and that's that's all i can say don't ask yeah. me any more
1: questions i'm a feel attack i agree for despite how little i played of rpg i think 64 just took it to a next level um and what a year it is for Mario. Oh, you know, God, Mario Kart yeah. 64, Super Mario RPG, and Super Mario 64. All in yeah. the same year. What is Nintendo d- thinking? <laughs> oh, man. So, next up is my final nominee. Um, and that is Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. Um, okay. It is the remake slash remake remaster yeah remake slash remaster it's a bit of both um, of the 1992 slash three depending which region you're in uh i believe we put it under 93 when we did uh that year in review and game of the year um, which it won the original lunar uh, silver started uh, the guys were nice enough to let me have that one um, so this is the remake remaster of it as much as I crap on it, it is still the Lunar Silver Star game. And it still is a, you know, good RPG. Um, sure, some mechanics changed, but maybe you like that. Uh, it So Lunar has a, when you look back at it, it has a pretty simple story to it. Um, there are, you know, of course, some twists and turns along the way, but it's that you know run-of-the-mill kind of uh you know get stronger save the world there's not a whole lot uh to it but the characters themselves are uh very interesting and they have their own development they have their own subplots throughout the game and it is a just overall solid rpg um, the magic system was a bit different than uh, some other rpgs you had uh, when you thought think of final fantasy and magic you typically had like your standard you know fire you know uh, ice etc heal uh, lunar shook it up a little bit with having sure some elemental type uh, abilities like the main character, Alex, he gets, you know, the fire, he focuses on fire early on and then he gets other stuff later on. But then you have a character who his spells are dice rolls. That's what he does, you know, and they're not your traditional spells. So it took a, you know, typical kind of formula and changed it up, uh, to fit this, you know, gambler rogue, you know, kind of guy, uh, and it fit. Um, the The cutscenes to the game are good. the the in, The music, the intro music, is still one of my favorite game tracks ever. Uh, I I'm trying to think if Silver Star Story Complete actually changed that up from the original Sega CD version. Um, I don't think they did because I think I would have been more annoyed about that. (laughs) Um, I believe you have played this, at least some.
0: Yeah, okay, I can't hold that back anymore. I was kind of saving that toward the end for my deliberation, but yes. Okay. I have played the entirety of Lunar Silver Star to complete one time.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, I played the original Lunar Silver Star... I don't know how many times. <laughs> I have hundreds of hours in it. Probably uh, the only game that comes close to it for me, as far as that goes, would be Final Fantasy VII. Um, Silver Star Story complete. I only played and beat it once in its entirety. Uh, since I I prefer the Sega CD version, I just played it to play, and I also played like the you know Game Boy game they released after this, so. Um, but yeah, still solid game and a respectable remake slash remaster. What do you think?
0: Yeah, not exactly easy here. I'm thinking because I know, I know where the Lunar games sit for you. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I respect that as well. But, and I guess full disclosure, this is our last nominee period, so the audience can know that. Yeah. Um, starting from the bottom, uh, I'd say as far as an RPG-ish aspect of Pokemon, yeah, I'd put Lunar above it, Mm -hmm. um... Kind of hard to deny the 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 behemoth that Pokemon is as a franchise. Period. But yeah. if we're directly comparing these two games, yeah, I can totally see where Lunar stacks above it. Resident Evil, mm, two different games. Yeah, two two varying different games. Different, uh, but. In scope and scale and what's available, I can see Lunar rising up. I could see that. Mega Man 8, again, two different games. Completely different games. With the wealth available, I could understand. Look, I'll make this real simple, folks. This is going to come down to an RPG debate. <laughs> uh I could see Lunar rising above Twisted Metal 2 and I can I could see an RPG rising above Mario Kart 64 I feel that that causes that's caused for more debate and more discussion if you want my opinion but the the real meat of this debate is going to be uh, RPG to RPG sure uh and this is all me being very generous, by the way. I don't think I'd put it above... <laughs> I don't think I would put Lunar above... T- I think it'd stop above Resident Evil. And that's being nice. It really is. But if I'm being nice... Uh, RPG to RPG, I would not put Lunar above this for the sole simple fact that I've played through Mario RPG 10 to 15 times in its entirety. I know I've 100% of that game twice. That's including getting the lazy shell, like everything. (sighs) I played through Lunar Silver Star Story Complete one time back Probably around ninety-seven ish, ninety-eight. And if you ask me anything about that game right now, I can tell you. I remember one cutscene where she's singing, in her dark version, uh, and, and a, and that's about it. I I can there's two other things that I could tell you but that's only because I tried to play through the game last year year before last and I remember something about dragon poop that's about it Mm -hmm. but that's not even that's not a memory from when I originally played it for whatever reason and I don't know why because it's not that hard for RPG to get underneath my heart Lunar just did not stand out to me I don't remember anything about the game and that's just that's just what it is not everything is for everybody and this RPG was not for me. RPG, Mario RPG. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. From for me and for everybody. So uh, we'll go ahead and put Lunar below Mega Man Eight, and then we'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good with it being down below. Uh, how, somewhere how below
1: between Mario Kart and Twisted Metal. Uh really I just want on the list it's a remake remaster um, if you're interested <laughs> in playing Lunar go play the one for a Sega CD it's so much better um, so yeah I really I don't care what is on the list I just want it on the list
0: <laughs> yeah it's just it, it, I put it to you then what did you have more fun playing Lunar or Twisted Metal 2 uh
1: What did you enjoy more? What would you play right now? (laughs) Right. Well, see that. And this is one of those cases where, what would I play right now? actually probably wouldn't work because I'd probably play Lunar. um, Just because it would have aged better and stuff like that. Um, And I'm, I love Lunar, so I'd probably play it over. it. But as far as back then, I, I don't know. I I'd probably still play Lunar, maybe. Yeah, uh, this just is because weird. of how much I played Lunar. I mean, I like I said, hundreds of hours in the yeah. second CD version. So. Yeah. But I also could play the a, six CD version. <laughs> yeah, it's such a
0: tricky game with our game of the year because the mentality is, I mean, you got to think when this list does catch up to itself in say twenty twenty one. You know, it, we're We're debating, all right, what was the best game of this year? Mm-hmm. It's so hard to take ourselves back 23 years and figure out, you know, what, what was the best for us. But that's kind of the idea of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to give what we believe is uh, our agreed upon game of the year for that year. I know that I had more fun with every single one of these games but Lunar. So the f- I'm willing to leave it up to you where you'd put it.
2: Yeah. I
0: mean the episode is game of the year period so <laughs> I mean it's not it's not game of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I I'm, I'm okay with the either above or below Twisted Metal. I like I said I don't really care. Um I would put it above like Mega Man because it's Mega Man. Come on. Yeah, but that would that <laughs> that would that would be
0: putting it directly on top of Mega Man, and I'm not having that shit, so we'll leave it at both. As c- crazy, stupid logic as that sounds, that's where we'll leave it at. So, mm-hmm. there you have it, folks. End of Time, cast has gone through another year of Game of the Year deliberation, and from the bottom to the top, we have Pokemon Red and Blue, Resident Evil, Mega Man 8, Twisted Metal Two, Lunar, Silver Star Story Complete, Mario Kart 64, Super Mario RPG, and the End of Time cast game of the year for 1996 is Super Mario 64. Yeah, I'm I'm totally down for that, man. Oh, All yeah. of these games, especially these top three, four, five. I mean, this this is a list right here. This is a. Yep this is another added bonus of you uh, guys and gals checking out this list I mean you can go through every one of these years and we are we're some solid shit I mean this is stuff that you can go find these games and still have a good time today but you could definitely look at them and argue their point even for when they came out uh Many of these games hold up to this day. Resident Evil, you're just—it's just the tank controls, man, and it, it really <laughs> is. Uh, Twisted Metal Two, I actually played last year for a little while. It still holds up, believe it or not. It really does. Uh, it just—all these games really hold up. And I mean, if you put yourself in that nostalgic mind frame in that classic old school gaming mentality, you could—you uh, could get the—the—the the, the, mechanic of tank controls fits this game it just fits that era it fits this style it fits what it's supposed to be so in any event we have it we've done it another game of the year just in the books yep. out of the way i am certain that there are many of you out there that have your own pick of game of the year we're interested in hearing that we're interested in hearing what games you think deserve to be on this list where they deserve to be what do you think the game of the year should be do you agree with our decision do you disagree are there games that we didn't even nominate that you feel deserve a solid nomination uh what about all this google uh uh i have forgotten the name of it that's how (laughs) that's how uninterested i am right now and i i mean i say that in a business respectful way i'm uninterested not because i don't care it has some good things that it seems to want to bring to the table but not enough game stuff specifically individual games for my attention yet so who knows Maybe two years from now, we'll be singing an entirely different tune. But for right now, for the opening the door and showcasing what they have, eh, I'm not interested. But are you? What are your thoughts on this this new Google gaming venture they're trying? Uh... Did you have you as well jumped into the Devil May Cry franchise? Is this your first? Did, are you playing Devil May Cry 5? Is that your first? Are you very well versed in the Devil May Cry franchise? Are you new, haven't played any of them and don't know where to start? If you want to discuss any Devil May Cry stuff, we we would love to hear any video game conversation you would like to throw away. I promise you again, it's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. Period. Um there are many ways to contact us and get a hold of us and engage in discussion with us. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can search Facebook for End of Time Cast. It will should take you to our page, and it may be how you got to this episode right here. We have an email. You can send us email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there. Just spell it as you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You can tweet us, retweet us, however you choose to do that. We have other... Uh, branched out versions where you can hear us uh, we're, we, we are on SoundCloud that's where our mainstay is but we have uh, you should be able to at this point hopefully in quotes in Google type in end of time cast and share this with others or find us find other episodes uh, and yeah there's just many ways to get a hold of us and we would love to hear feedback from our audience about anything and everything and I, again even now at 80 485 episodes probably a good chance you're gonna get your uh, email or message to us uh, read out loud and talked and discussed on the podcast so yeah that's gonna do it for tonight's episode of end of time cast and until next time I'm Michael and I'm Chris. Good night everybody.